Oddities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, normal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I am Carmen Elizabeth Juanita Echo Sky Bravo Cortez. And I am not a Foogly, okay? I'm joined by a Foogly today. Ben is not here mm. because he's a Foogly, but I am not a Foogly. You guys are Fooglies. I'm going to say that so much in this episode. <laughs> so we, I, I think, um, even though I said it at the start of last month, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but this is the actual start of the summer 2001 Fort year, because last month's series, as you have uh, labeled it in the spreadsheet, is the summer 2001 appetizer. Is that right? Uh, this is still, I would say, we haven't hit, The Mummy Returns is okay. the beginning of the summer. As I see it, the summer season begins the first weekend of May. So we're still, we're still on the onset of it. We're, we're not there. We're closer to it. Like, we can feel, like, the rays of the sun slowly peeking above the tree line. <laughs> but we are not fully basking in the sun of the fort year just yet. Okay, okay. So... So I guess I I, uh, I noticed it when I was you know getting ready for this recording that there's you know the the so much of the 2001 Fort year as the first month last month has a certain color and then it's just a hard cut to a new color in the spreadsheet for the almost the rest of 2021. Um, Goddamn right. But God we, what you're saying right. is that we should have some like color gradient, like it should slowly turn into this other color. I got to see if I can do that in the spreadsheet. <laughs> Ideally, Rob, ideally. Maybe someone will see that one day other than you, me, you, and Ben. Or me and you. I don't think Ben has ever opened this spreadsheet. <laughs> so we, of course, are starting this new month with Spy Kids. We're spying on some children this episode. Are you excited, Zach? <laughs> I am rock hard, Rob. I am rock hard. I have to say I'm pretty excited for this as well. This is one of the ones that when you put it on the uh, the list for the fourth year that I was like, oh, wow, I... I loved Spy Kids when I was younger. I saw it in theaters. Uh, I don't have my ticket stub from back in the day, as Zach will explain his context with it. But I definitely remember seeing this. I'm pretty sure I had it on VHS. I'm sure I watched it a bunch. But I would say I probably haven't seen Spy Kids since 2001. I'm, or maybe if I watched it ever again in like 2002 or something like that. But I was excited to revisit it. Uh, I'm glad we're revisiting it. I, I watched it. Uh, twice in preparation for this recording, once to kind of get a sense of, well, how much do I remember? How much are we going to be able to talk about with it? Uh, and then once again to make my notes. And I have to say, this movie is some good fun. I thoroughly enjoy me some Spy Kids, Zach. And I don't think it's just the nostalgia factor. I think this movie is good family fun. <laughs> yeah, this movie's interesting because, like, when it came out in March of 2001... It was a box office success, and we'll talk about the ramifications, the fact that they basically pumped out two sequels in the span of two years yes. after this was released. Um, yeah, this is a solid movie. Like, don't be wrong, it's still a kid's movie, mm -hmm. but it's not grating. I think that's the highest compliment you can pay any children's movie, is that it's not grating. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's it's got a stacked cast. It's directed by Robert Rodriguez. It's uh, it's it's fun. Like I said, it's all all fun. And I'm glad we're revisiting it. I do have to mention because you brought it up, though. I don't think I've seen any of the sequels. I feel like I might have seen the second one, but I have no memory of it. Um, 
did you see the sequels? I guess this is uh, me entering in or looking for your context because uh, I know you have the ticket stub on your forehead. Buckle. <laughs> yes, I, I am. I would be eating the ticket stub if that weren't a cardinal sin. The, my context for this, like, I, oh God, this is one of those ones where, like, considering that it's almost been 20 years now, I remember being. I remember a lot of the some of the marketing for this film. Cause I remember McDonald's having a lot of promotions for this. Yeah, and I know even there's there's a very subtle like product promotion of McDonald's in the film. Oh, we're gonna have to talk about how these. I I understand it's a kids movie. It's a movie about the fantasy of spies. But I need to know, and we're gonna get into it. How the hell did they dehydrate cardboard? Because when they <laughs> rehydrate the Big Mac and the fries, the fries are in a cardboard container. How the hell can you dehydrate cardboard? <laughs> we'll get to that, Rob. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, this movie is unwatchable. I take back everything I said. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, I remember a lot of the marketing of this in that sense, like more tangential marketing and ciliary partners. I also remember – I wish I could remember the name of the brand. I know it's definitely a Hasbro thing. Mm-hmm. But in the early 2000s, there was like this toy thing they had for like spy gadgets for kids where like they had like all the stuff like glasses that would be able like to like take pictures and they had like little trackers you could put like that would just like like set off like, like, like a little console. Like it was all very, very low tech stuff like in a $30 price range 20 years ago. I don't remember what it was called. But I remember that like was all being like released and introduced in that same time period. Yeah. So the idea of like doing like being like a quote unquote spy kid was really enticing in that early 2001 period. Oh, yeah. And and so, like, looking at my ticket stub, and like Rob said, Rob is not BSing you. I have my ticket stubs. I have them from April 1st, 2001, where we saw the 2.30 showing of Spy Kids, and I have three ticket stubs. I ha- But this is the mysteries. Rob knows I have a – I can usually figure this sort of context out just by looking at it. My memory says that when I can apparently I saw this twice in theaters because I have another ticket stub from April 22nd. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. But my memory says that when I saw this movie initially, I saw it with my mother and my nephew. Mm -hmm. But the mystery is, is that one of the ticket stubs is for a senior. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And obviously we all know that my father was an elderly man ever since I was born. My memory is contradicting the evidence mm. in my hand, Rob, and I don't like that. That scares me. As somebody <laughs> who worships their memories of Florida, and especially 2001, I am get at 28 years old. I am very nervous on the fact that reality is contradicting my memories. So we are going to ask a philosophical, Uh-oh. hypothetical question: Do I ignore reality and choose to remember <laughs> my memory, which is probably wrong? Or do I go with the factual thing? You know, I don't want it to be true. Well, how many stubs do you have for the second viewing? Just two. And Ooh. one of them is for a child and one is for a matinee, which lends credence to the fact that my mother took me to go see it again. Okay, okay. And there's is, – is there – well, I think this is directly tied into how we answer the philosophical question. But is there any chance that you wouldn't have the stub from your nephew? Um, the second time? Yeah, like maybe I'm thinking maybe the memory uh, discrepancy is that you saw it with your mother and your nephew the second time and you don't have one of the other stubs. I, I'm i inclined not to believe that because one is for a senior, one is for a matinee, and the other one is for a child. Okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. But it's possible. It's possible maybe my parents took me to go see it the first time. Then I did. I lost the ticket stub mm-hmm. for my 
nephew? That would be my first guess, but uh, without that information, I, I answer your philosophical question the way that I would always answer it in any scenario. Uh, fuck reality. Believe whatever you want, Zach. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what they're going to call the, decla- the decline of America. <laughs> the, the rejection of reality. Believe whatever you want. Um, but my, I say the most cardinal, the, the most egregious of errors is that the showing began at 2.30, Rob, mm-hmm. and guess what time the ticket was purchased? Uh, 2.45 or something? No, one twenty-three. Ooh, okay. That, that means that means by the time that's at the box office, which means by the time you walked, bought any concessions, then got to the theater, there's a good chance you missed whatever was the predecessor, the very primitive version of the 20. Hey kids, those times Zach just mentioned are very far apart, but clearly we understand that he means times that are much closer together. At least that's what I think. Who knows what's going through his head? He's a goober. We did not get to see baby Maria Menounos. I was, I was about to say, maybe Maria Menounos has wiped your memory somehow. <laughs> somehow. I do pump my gas enough that I see her every pretty much once a week. Yeah. Oh, God. And even worse was that for the second viewing, the showing was at 1220, mm-hmm. and the ticket was purchased at 1217. It was okay. getting worse, Rob. Okay. A very, very dangerous pre- precedent was being sent. Set. Gotcha. Just you wait, folks. I'm looking. I'm looking at the stubs right now. There's a Mummy Return stub, a Pearl Harbor stub, <laughs> Shrek stub, Tomb Raider stub, Planet of the Apes stub, the score. Deme- oh, there's no other ticket stubs. All right, then we get the Domestic Disturbance, the weird like Vince Vaughn, John Travolta movie. Oh, okay. Well, th- I think this is interesting because, as Zach just mentioned, we'll get to more of these ticket stubs in the in the f- the rest of the fourth year. Um, but I think we only started the ticket stub discussion when we did the our Avengers Endgame experiment. So it kind of started when yes. when we were seeing movies together. But now our audience knows if there was any doubt in their heads that you have ticket stubs from before you were born. Uh- <laughs> well, if I if I may say. Is that there actually – I was thinking about this in preparation for this recording. There's one movie that I saw earlier that year that I did not include in the appetizer for the four year. That I'm kind of – in all honesty, in retrospect, if I could go back and take one movie out and replace it, Mm -hmm. I would replace Sugar and Spice with Recess Schools Out because I saw that on Monday, 19th, 2001, President's Day. So ideally, we should have replaced Sugar and Spice with that. I did not do my research. I apologize to all of our cinema cinemodities fans, fan, aka Maximo, <laughs> that I did not be as thorough in my research as I could have been. God damn it! We don't have time to watch and record I an episode on that movie. You. That Sugar and Spice comes out tomorrow. <laughs> okay, Rob. We it's on Disney Plus. We'll do a live commentary, which doesn't mean you have to sit there edit anything. <laughs> Oh god, no bleeps. Cinemodities un- uncut and unrated. <laughs> it's like it's like the elves live thing that we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. No okay. Well, interesting. Uh we got some history from Zach. Like I mentioned, I saw this in theaters, saw it with my mom. But the, we get, oh. we didn't get to your point about the sequels, but I guess we'll maybe save that for later. Oh, we'll sure. Talk about yeah. that at the end of this. Yeah, yeah, because I like I, I, said, I have I've... I have context for the sequels. Oh, too. okay. Okay. Yeah, well, so we'll do like a um uh, a Cheetah Girls type thing. We'll talk about the sequels near the end for sure. Uh, okay, okay. But yeah, I saw this in theaters I, in 2001. I would have been in fourth grade. Uh, I saw it with whoop my whoop. I saw it with my mom. The only reason to tie this into, of oh, course, Rob, the four. Excuse e- me, Rob. Oh, excuse me, Rob. You have been in third grade. Why? 
<laughs> because it was in the first half of 2000. Oh, it was Rob. in the first. Oh, I, I'm still stuck in the what summer a, oh thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, Rob. Audience, I apologize. We are dropping the ball. Well, I was episode. about to we say are- the only reason I remember I was in fourth grade is because that's when I got sent home early when 9-11 happened. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. This was not in the in the summer. This was in, in uh, end of March. So, this yeah, is, okay. Mem- remember, Rob, this is the calm before the storm. Remember, this is like when the te- – <laughs> yes. te- as of this point, the terrorists had just watched Saving Silverman and Sugar and Spice, and they were still getting like, – they, they, they're kind of like flustered. They hadn't reached the point where they're like, okay, yeah. like th- th- they're still figuring out. Like, a little, like there's like a little like a uh, cork board, and it has like different modes of transportation. And there's like a bicycle, <laughs> a train, a guppy submersible, um, a, a roller coaster from Monkey Bone, <laughs> roller coaster, and like they're looking they're, and they're trying to formulate which one will do the most damage and which one can melt steel beams yes. the best. <laughs> oh god oh god so yes you're right this would have been third grade uh which yeah pre 9-11 as this whole series is but that's that's what we got and like i said i think i had it on vhs i'm sure i saw it a bunch of times and it was yes the vhs is a black clamshell case like it was just like most of your clamshell cases were always like kind of like black i'm sorry white but like Mm -hmm. with kids movies they always tried it like some sort of gimmick like the grinch one was like green and with spy kids it was like black they always tried some sort of gimmick Oh, yeah. kids movies oh, yeah. when it came to cases with movies so i guess uh if there's no other context that you have zach i think i want to start by talking about some of the people in this movie because this movie we'll be here forever is this is like okay stacked <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous like this is like like this discussion is gonna be like rob talking about voice actors from a final fantasy game like it's just <laughs> never going to end like as i was looking at the credits for this I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm it's like, I ridiculous. forgot everybody who was in this movie. And you know what the weird part is? Is that like, as the next, like, as an, like spoiler alert for next week's movie, is like, whereas like, you'll have like Ray Liotta and Blow, and you're like, Fear well, me, like, yes. Was this like Ray? <laughs> yes, fear me. It's like, is this past his prime? Like, was he still <laughs> like in demand? Like, you kind of have like that weird gray area. Like, is he just taking roles because like, like he's desperate? But like, everybody who's in this movie, like outside of maybe what Carla Cugino like was at their prime. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, two thousand one is like what out the height of Alan Cumming. He has like a million movies in two thousand one. <laughs> exactly. Tony Shalhoub, like what? Like Monk was about to start soon. Yep. So, like he was like a star on the rise. Robert Patrick was kind of just like finishing his thing on the X Files. Yeah. Oh it yeah. Was, yeah. Antonio Banderas, like, it, of course. The Mask of Zorro was just a couple years ago. Like that was like a huge blockbuster. It's like, like God, like, like Terry Hatcher, like oh, before she blew yeah. up. Cheech. <laughs> <laughs> Machete before he started disemboweling people. Yep. And like, which might be the greatest. Oh, God. Pre- like, if you ever want a like perfect cinematic example of going through the turnstiles, <laughs> yeah. it's Danny Trejo as Machete in Spy Kids. And then a decade later seeing machete in all of his glory yep absolutely uh we have uh mike judge plays donnegan the creator of beavis I, and butthead <laughs> I, I saw that in the credits and i couldn't believe it i was just like god damn it yeah it's uh uh george clooney shows up at the end for a cameo okay m- may i please talk about that just yes. for one second quick yes. sidebar i remember I, it had to be my father that took us the first one i remember this him saying this i remember him like like at the end of the movie, like walking out, being like, "Was that really George Clooney?" <laughs> like it just blew his mind. Yep, that George Clooney. Like again, my father didn't take like 
I think as long as my father lived, I don't think he took anything I watched seriously. Everything I watched in his mind was considered crap. Only occasionally, like when I was watching something like involving Schwarzenegger or Stallone, was considered something slightly elevated to this, the crap I watched mm-hmm. in his mind. And I can still remember him being like, was that George Clooney? <laughs> like, I just remember him just like being blown away by that. And even watching it to this day, like I knew George Clooney shows up at some point in this. And just like even watching it today, I'm like, man, they got George Clooney. And I know George Clooney, like very early on in his career, like, like mid 90s, what was that? Um, Dust till dawn. Yeah, parents, yeah, you know, like George Clooney was in that like like Texas like Austin cinema like group like in that time period. So like, it makes sense they could very easily like just like pick up the phone and be like, hey, we need you for like three hours worth of work. Would you do this for us? Yep. But still, like it adds an air of like credibility to this movie that like, oh, yeah. like in two thousand one you were able to get George Clooney. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it's it's like I said, it's stacked. It's absolutely ridiculous how many people are in this movie that we know so well today. Even something I didn't pick up on, because why would I pick up on? But accredited as cool spy is Richard Linklater, the director. Yep. And I'm yep. like, okay. But I, I have to bring something up about the credits for this movie because it is listed on IMDb and the internet is seems to be so convinced that financier number three, whoever that is. So one of the financiers, like the, the guys in suits that are with Robert Patrick in Floop's castle near the beginning and the end of the movie, the internet is convinced that it is Dick Clark, the Dick Clark. Really? It is not. I froze the frame. I screenshotted it. I was zooming in. Unless Dick Clark is under full facial prosthetics, it is not the Dick Clark. It has to be just someone else named Dick Clark, but it is wrong on IMDb. Like, and there's articles went from when Dick Clark died that I found that are like, oh, he was in some weird, he was in like a few movies back in his day, you know, in the American bandstand days and stuff like that. Like before people of our generation really knew him as the New Year's Eve guy. And then all of these articles also said, and he has a cameo in Spy Kids. And I looked, I fucking looked. He is not in either of the scenes with the financiers. So the internet is wrong. Did you look at photos of him from like 2000? I did. Get some sort of... I even watched too much of an excerpt from (laughs) a Rockin' New Year's Eve special, I will admit. (laughs) It is not him. And I I mean, I, I grew up watching Dick Clark. I knew what he looked like, but you're absolutely right. I checked into it, and there is no way, unless, like I said, he is full on foogly. And they just covered up his face completely, <laughs> which uh, they would not do for a financier. So the internet is wrong, I have to say. Once again, Zach, I... this might be the theme <sighs> of the fort year. We are learning that the internet is full of liars. <laughs> <sighs> Dick Clark is not that. in this movie. I'm very upset by that. But to get to people that are in this movie, I want to talk about Alan Cumming. And I think I want to save a lot of Alan Cumming for when we get to him and Josie and the Pussycats, because that is... I think one of his best performances. He's also great in this movie, don't get me wrong. But I was like looking into Alan Cumming and like saw what else he did. And I was looking into his history. And something stood out to me, Zach. I never knew this. I kind of always known that he was actually like a, a very good actor and he's done theater stuff. He was in an adaptation of Macbeth that ran for 73 shows on Broadway from 2012 to 2013. 73 shows is not anything to write home about. But I was like... I was looking into this, and I had to dig into it. I want—I don't know if you're up on your Macbeth, Zach, but if you could take a guess, what role do you think Alan Cumming played in Macbeth? 
Do you have any idea? I don't know. I don't know my Macbeth. Like, I guess the the the, the main character. Mac- Macbeth. <laughs> here's I don't the know Macbeth. here's the thing, Zach. He played every role. It was a solo show. Was it really? It was a solo show. And I so this is this is how it went down. I was looking at Alan Cumming like his his uh, filmography. You see how many fucking movies he was in in the early two thousands. And then I, I kept scrolling down. He's been in some TV shows. It gets to theater, and I see Macbeth. And next to Macbeth, under like the, the role column, it says, all roles. And I went, my interest is peaked. So <laughs> I, I looked into it. And you can actually find clips and scenes from it on YouTube. It is the most ridiculous fucking thing. He will deliver lines and then run across the stage, deliver more lines, and he just runs back and forth for the entirety of Macbeth. <laughs> and I am like, oh my god, I wish I could see this live. He is he puts on a one-man show of Macbeth where he plays every character. There's like 20 fucking speaking characters in Macbeth. <laughs> Does he throw his voice each time, or is it just one voice? In the in the scenes that uh, in the little scenes, few scenes that I saw, he does do different voices and stuff. Wow! The only thing he doesn't do is like full on costume changes, which I was I, that, that would literally be impossible. Uh, yeah, that would literally be impossible. If anybody can do it, it would be Alan Cumming. That I I recommend everybody go check this out on YouTube. Like you can type in like Alan Cumming Macbeth. Like I said, there's some scenes and stuff like that. And it's just fantastic because I was like, I, when I did not know what to expect, I watch it and it's like him. I don't know what character he's supposed to be or what seat it is because I don't know my Macbeth as well. But he's like sitting somewhere and he's saying lines. And then you see him like stand up, spin around, like lean on the end of the, like the chair or whatever that the, his other character was sitting on and say different lines. And I'm like, oh my God, I love it. <laughs> So Alan Cumming is the greatest, as we as we now know. That that ran Cumming, seventy-three Alan? shows. Like I said, that's not good that's for insane. Broadway. But he did it seventy-three in times. In a year. Yeah. In a year. That's it's like when you What hear acting of, roles did he have? What acting roles did he have in that in that year? Uh in two thousand twelve to two thousand thirteen, I think that was after Son of the Mask, I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, way way after that. That was 2005. <laughs> okay, which uh, he is a uh, a better Loki than Tom Hiddleston. Do we get canceled for saying that? <laughs> come, you know, okay, I, okay, you brought that up. May I please say something as I watch this? That like, I, I it's gonna be highly controversial to Rob. Okay, but as I was watching this, I was saying, you know who? Like, a, I know Rob hates the Marvel thing. I'm weirdly like in Stockholm syndrome about Marvel yes. right now. Yes. I, I think Alan Cumming would make a great, like, Dormammu. Like, like oh. I'd be like, that would be great. <laughs> like, I don't, know, I, I don't want to see Alan Cumming covered up with CGI, but yeah. I don't think they would yeah. let him just be, like, straight up, like, who he is. Like, he's too he's too goofy to, like, have in live action, I think, more, like, Disney Marvel would see. But, like, as a villain, he, like, I think he, like, and this is another one, too. Like, I think Dormammu would be best because Dormammu can be very over the top. But I think he'd make a great Doctor Doom. Like, I'd love to see him, like, in a dramatic role where he can really just, like, chew the scenery, but, like, in a delightful way. I would just love to see Alan coming more, so I'm I'm kind of with that's you. What, <laughs> but that's the thing, though. If he gets Marvel stuff, like, that's – I know that's the worst thing to say now is, like, like to attach an actor or anybody in show business to Marvel. Yeah. But, like, I, I would think like, – he's, like, one of those actors that, like, everyone's like, oh, why isn't Keanu Reeves in a Marvel, Marvel movie? Because Keanu Reeves has, like, two different, like, like things he can do in that <laughs> yes, yeah, Like, exactly. I love Keanu Reeves, but, like, he's either stoic 
or he's what Ted from Bill and Ted, and mm-hmm. that's it. He ha- he has a very he's one or the other. Alan Cumming can goddamn do anything if he wants, and that's the thing. Is like cast him, give him more work, like have him like just like for a broader audience. Oh yeah, make him yeah. goddamn Dormammu or Doctor Doom. That that is my official. Like I'm going to stay on the side of the highway with a sign <laughs> like Rorschach and Watchmen that says Alan Cumming for Dormammu. Everyone's going to be like, what the hell does that mean? It's like, read the sign, bitch. Read the sign. <laughs> okay. Okay, so this is – so while he was doing his one-man play, Macbeth. Once again, everybody check this out. Alan Cumming is great. We now love Alan Cumming on this podcast. Too bad this came after our three-year extravaganza where we looked into celebrities and we didn't look into Alan Cumming. Isn't that a bummer oh, yes, that Rob, we haven't he, done that yet? <laughs> I know, Rob. It's a bummer that we will not talk about Alan Cumming a couple days ago. We'll have to I save that so for ashamed. the four-year anniversary. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Well, one, I have to mention, because as I looked into this, this caught my attention. Um, before he did the one-man play, he was in something in 2010 called Jack Boots on Whitehall, where he is the voice of Adolf Hitler and Braveheart in the same movie. And apparently this is a 2010 British puppet satirical action comedy film set in an alternative history Second World War in which Nazi Germany has seized London. And apparently Braveheart. Okay. <laughs> but okay, so that I'm putting that on the list. Jack Boots on Whitehall. We'll have to look into, Zach. But so in 2012-2013, he is the voice of Gordon the Goat in Sir Billy. Never heard of that. He is the voice of Bog in something called The Outback, which is a 2012 South Korean-American computer animated action comedy film. Of course. Rob Schneider is also in that movie. <laughs> oh, uh, he's, he's Rudy in a movie called Any Day Now. Uh, wow. I, I don't know what that is. And then in 2013, he is the voice of Gutsy Smurf in The Smurfs 2, reprising his role from 2011's The Smurfs. Oh, so that's so a lot. So a lot of voice acting, then. Yeah, because he had to figure out. He had to memorize every single line from Macbeth. <laughs> but again, like when it comes to voice acting, all you gotta do is like just like microphones were good enough. Yeah. He could just probably plug something into like a smartphone and do it like that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, while we're on Alan Cumming, I do want to also mention his 2001. Like we said, is absolutely ridiculous. He's in the the anniversary party, which he also directed. That's his directorial debut. I have no idea what that is. It's co-directed with Jennifer Jason Lee. Lay. That is bizarre. I will, okay. There are so when I edit this, I'm gonna have so many new movies on my list. He's then in Investigating Sex in 2001. Don't know what that is. He's in Spy Kids and Josie and the Pussycats, which we're gonna get to. Today and later on. And then he's in something called Company Man. So that, that's his 2001. That is five movies, and one of them he stars in and directs. And, well, co-directs, co-writes, and co-produces with Jennifer Jason Way. Alan oh Cumming, like, we know you listen to this. Get on here. Get on here. <laughs> but, like, I think that's most fascinating about him is, like, he's done everything. Do you know like, that he has a small, or do you remember, I guess, that he has a small appearance as a hotel clerk in Eyes Wide Shut? Of course. Yeah, that's Rob. one of my favorite little appearances. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, nothing's really below him. Like, he's really willing to kind of do anything. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he was in X-Men. Like, yep. He was in The Good Wife. He's, he um, he's Stillskin and Courage a Cowardly Dog. Yeah, he's Boris. I think Boris is his name in GoldenEye. He's the dude who, like, yep. invents the giant laser or something like that. Yep. Um, what he's Spice uh, World? I, yes, Spice World. He's in. I think he's in the sequel. I'm trying to. He's in so many goddamn movies that I can barely even scroll through it fast enough. Yeah, he is the Great Gazoo 
and Mick Jagged in the Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas. <laughs> Mick Jagged. <laughs> it's it's insane. Oh it's genuinely God. insane. Yep, he's like we said, he's Loki and Son of the Mask. Uh he he's Persnickety. It's I guess which is a play on Persnickety in Garfield the movie. God. He was in Strange Magic, the weird like jukebox yeah. musical by Lucasfilm. Yes. We gotta do an Alan yeah, I'm coming series. Coming series. <laughs> Absolutely. I would January love to do 2022, the, the X-Files type thing I did with Dean Norris to see how Alan Cumming is playing the same role in every oh. movie. <laughs> Goddamn right, Rob. Goddamn right. Oh, he's great. I mean, I love him. I, I've, I've loved him in everything I've seen him in for so long. And like I said, I love him in Joes and the Pussycats. He's great as Floop in this movie, I think. Um, but I had kind of great in everything. Yeah, absolutely. I just had to shout him out because Alan Cumming is is great, and his and he had like that that weird cheerleader. The guy cheerleader in Sugar and Spice looked a lot like him. I know I mentioned in that episode. <laughs> oh, James Marsden? No, 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 no. The, he was the football player, Zach. Oh, the the cheerleader oh. that um the the informer girl ends up marrying. Bruce, I think his character name was. Oh, okay. Zach, how can you how can you not remember we our sh- Sugar Rob, and Spice discussion? Sh- it comes out tomorrow <laughs> rob we should have done recess schools out we should have done that i i'm not saying I'm you're so, wrong <laughs> i am so so goddamn angry right now so is that going to be like the the next open series we have is going to be the um the corrections to the fort year after we've done yes. it all zach's yes. like we should have done this we should have done this we should have yes. done monkey bone twice <laughs> exactly yes exactly no we shouldn't have monkey done tw- twice no Monkey Bone's not that good. I could do it again, okay? <laughs> I know I know you would. Oh, yeah, I don't think I told you. that The episode was about three hours long, cut out a few minutes from editing. I ended up just, you know, it plays, and then at the end of the episode, there's a beep, and it just starts over. So it's our longest episode. It's like five and oh, a half it? hours long. I just okay, doubled good. it. <laughs> so everybody has to listen to it twice. Again. <laughs> so, so that was Alan Cumming. I want to talk about him. We also have to talk about... Carla Gugino, because don't you find it so strange that in the near the beginning of Spy Kids, when uh, Antonio Banderas is about to go on the mission that uh, Devlin or George Clooney, as we find out later, asked him to go on to find Mike Judge because he has to create the King of the Hill and Silicon Valley. Carla Gugino wants to go with him. And when he says no, she says, I was a hero, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that strange that Zack Snyder stole a scene from Spy Kids? <laughs> Oh god, she's kind of okay. One thing about Carla Cugino in this is that she's kind of a non-entity. Like this feel, like you could almost take her out of the movie, and I feel it would not like make any sort of drastic impact. Well, like I, it feels like yeah, like this could be a single father movie if they want to. Like don't get me wrong, the fact that it's like a nuclear family, I love it. I'm not going to question it. But she like like we have like moments too. Like this is a good children's movie, but it does have problems. Oh, well, well, sure, but I mean, I would say take out Antonio Banderas, leave Carla Gugino, because I like her better. Because, really? Well, yeah, because if we don't have her, we don't get the I was a hero, goddammit moment. Uh, we Fair. don't get the scene where she tells the kids things are tough all over, Cupcake. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. <laughs> when she tells the story at the beginning of how the comedian raped her, which is also in Spy Kids, she says every day the future <laughs> looks a little bit darker, but the past, even the grimy parts of it, keep getting brighter. <laughs> Oh, well, oh, no, I, I really like Carla Gugino. Uh, I like her, of course, as Sally Jupiter in Watchmen because she was a hero, goddammit. It was good to see her in this, even though she didn't have much to do. She is 
infinitely better with not having a lot to do in this movie than she is in a TV show I watched recently, Wayward Pines. She is an atrocity in Wayward Pines. And that shows an atrocity on its own. But at the start of season two, she's like a major character in season one. She's like the impetus for almost the whole Matt Dillon main character arc. But at the start of season two, she kills herself. And I'm like, I would too, Carla Gugino, if I was in this stupid fucking show. (laughs) But yeah, Zach, things are tough all over. (laughs) Can we talk about the fact that Carla Gugino has starred as Electra Lux in two separate movies? One of them is Women in Trouble. The other one is Electra Lux. Titled Oh, okay, okay. I I don't think I've seen Can we talk about how 2009 was like really her year? Sure, like, that's the Watchmen here, and then what? The uh, Race to Witch Mountain with the Rock Race is in, in that Mountain, one, yeah. yeah. And then, like, after that, she had, what? Oh, God, wasn't there the movie? Or that came out a year before. Isn't she? Oh, that's Maylin Ackerman. Never mind. There's Mr. Popper's Penguins. There's yes, Punch. she is in Mrs. Mr. Popper's Penguins. Night at the Museum. Yeah, what? She's, like, the curator of the um, museum, or one of the... She's something in the, in the museum. She's not one of the attractions. No. <gasps> she's in She-Creature? I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh my god! I'm not saying either. But I don't she's wear in, it she's in Sin City. I'm pretty sure, right? Spin City. Spin like the show. She's in Sin City, the movie too, right? Oh, that's, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So she, oh, yeah, she's in Spin City and Sin City. Sin that's City. great. That talk about a career. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Enough going through IMDb. I was a hero. God damn it. Damn it. <laughs> All right, Rob. So we both, like, for the most part, in, like what enjoy this? Oh yeah, yeah. I would definitely say it's good fun. I mean, what it's it's a uh, we Zach and I watched the. I don't know if it's called the director's cut. I think it's called like the the re release from later in two thousand one. From what I read, that added the the shark sleeping shark scene. Um, it's ninety minutes. It gets in. It gets out. It does what it needs to do. It has those kids mo- uh, kid movie moments that I don't care about too much. But there's enough just goofiness going on that I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, I think I laughed hysterically when Machete pops up at Floop's castle at the end. He just breaks through the window. Yes, he does. Not not off of a helicopter or an airplane. No jetpack. He's just there. <laughs> he just is there. And I lost my mind. I loved it. <laughs> but, like, this is the thing about this movie, though, is that, like, there seems to be, like, this is where I feel like it feels like a single dad movie. Because, like, we get a bunch of stuff about, like, Antonio Banderas's character, whether sure. it be like his like what distant relationship with Machete, the fact he's kind of like feels like he's become a wuss now, mm-hmm. like when like that kid, like the bully's father is like, "What are you gonna do, buddy?" And like it goes nowhere. It's like there's no point in watching this, like from watching Antonio Banderas's character, that we feel like he's lost his like stride. Like he feels a hundred percent capable, yet we keep getting all these things like this man has some sort of emotional baggage that's kind of implied through dialogue. Yeah. And yet we never get to see. Oh sure. I mean, he's really there just to get the um the plot of the what the third brain going. And even that feels like weirdly like that doesn't really get introduced as a plot element until what, the like the very end of the first act. Sure, sure. And and yeah, and, and it's just dropped on us that a Tony Shalhoub was also in that project at a certain that point. That comes that comes in like halfway through the third act. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, Tony Shalhoub was there since the beginning. And Carlo Cugino's like, oh, I'm in this movie. Like they get, how many times do Antonio Banderas and Carlo Cugino get tied up and then like immediately escape only to get retied up at one sure, point the yeah. cha- they get tied up with chains and they just fall off for no reason yep yep i <laughs> i didn't have too much of a problem with that because it definitely is like 
it, it's I think appropriately this movie is focused on the children and their relationship and them having to save the the parents and stuff like that. So I agree with you. There's not much fleshing out to the parents at all. But I mean, it's kind of because I think Robert Rodriguez knows to focus more on the kids for this kids movie. That's that's fine. That's yeah. fine. But like, there's like a certain level of like absurd, absurdist, contradictory elements in this film where like things will just happen that just like contradict themselves. Like my favorite being like the hallway where the floor gives out, and like and that's the joke. Like oh, like it happens. Antonio Banderas goes to jump for it, and he falls on like the plexiglass. Yes. And then we have Alexa Vega do it, and she falls through, and I'm just like, what? I like, I loved that, Zach. I don't know about you, but I love when my expectations are subverted. <laughs> I I definitely, you know, of course, it's. I think it's it's the classic movie setup. Like we show that he doesn't fall through the floor earlier. We don't think it's going to happen, but then she falls through, and it's like whatever. But I have to say, I love that they fall away like puzzle pieces. That's a great visual. <laughs> but like, there is that sort of just like contradictory element to a lot of things in this where it's like oh, oh yeah, yeah the safe house door will only open if you say the password and then terry hatcher has keys and yep. we're like what yep all of the fooglies when they get turned into fooglies they speak backwards and sped up but then tony shalhoub gets turned into a foogly and he can speak <laughs> fine and has all of his motor control which the other ones don't seem to have so i'm, I'm with you zach but I guess I was definitely able to forgive this movie for oh, a sure. while. Yeah, not, yeah. I, I, I'm not attacking it. I just find those sort of things just like odd because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, like, like we need it. It feels like, oh, we need a gag here. What should the gag be? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Just just take what we had before and just repurpose it. It's like okay, like I, I guess, <laughs> sure, but like it's just sure. it's like like I, I, honestly, I would like to make a drinking game from this movie that sits there like has every time somebody falls down like comically. If you had a drinking mm. game where every time you took a drink, when somebody falls down, like like in a stupid, like clumsy way, you would die of alcohol poisoning by like the hour mark. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. and that's just from the thumb characters, the thumb thumbs alone. Like, how many times does like Daryl, like what's his name, Daryl Sabara fall down? Oh yeah. Like yeah. everybody just keeps falling down, and I'm like, was like and the one thing I got to give this movie a lot of credit for for a kids movie. There's only one like poop joke. In the yeah. entire movie. Yeah. I was shocked at that. Like, I all honestly expect, like, when we see, like, Daryl Sabar, like, pushing, like, a little, like, toilet into its thing, I'm like, oh, God, like, I remember this. And I'm like, there's not a scene of him, like, having, like, extreme flatulence because he's nervous. Mm-hmm. And Alexa Vega waking up being like, like, oh, you couldn't sit there, like, light a match or something? <laughs> like, wh- whatever the kid equivalent of that is. Um, like, I was just, like, I'm like, okay, it does say the line, like, now flushing your poop. And I can still remember in 2001, like, that entire, like, that line getting, like, a laugh from the mm. audience, from kids. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's not, I think one of the reasons I enjoyed this movie so much now, and, and like I said earlier, it's not the nostalgia factor, is that for a kid's movie, this isn't very, uh, reductive might not be the, 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 the word I'm looking for, but, like, diminutive, where, like, I feel like most kid movies that I rewatch for my own childhood are very basic and have like a lot of toilet humor and just simple humor and yes like you said there's a lot of falling down and like slapstick elements to this but there's there's a lot more in what it's doing that is actually like meaningful i think for the growth of our like children characters and stuff like that yeah no like i said this this movie like i i it's so weird that like as a kid i because somebody as a kid who always like looked up film reviews like even a year before this in 2000 and I would get so frustrated when critics would give like bad reviews to like Thomas and the magic railroad stuff. <laughs> and I'd be like, it's a kid's movie. It's not designed for you. Like you shouldn't be grading it. 
And yet now as an adult, I look back at a lot of this stuff and I'm like, ooh. I I, I feel so conflicted because I feel like I'm a hypocrite now compared to 20 years ago. But yes, this is one of the better examples of like, it's for the most part fleshed out. Mm-hmm. But I think because this movie, like, and this is one thing I got to give it as a children's movie, it's not obnoxious. Yeah, that's a good like, way to put it. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think, we haven't really talked about a lot of like kids entertainment in this movie, like on this podcast. Like, I guess what, like the Grinch, Jingle All the Way are some of the like more obvious examples of like mm-hmm. children's enterta- entertainment with a capital C. And yet, like, I think we both agree that like the 2000 Grinch movie is a nightmare in more <laughs> ways than one. Um, but like this movie's not obnoxious. Like, like think about it. Like all of our human characters could really easily because everybody's dialed up to like about a nine, but nobody goes past 10. Oh, yeah. And, and, yeah. and it's weird to think that like Alan Cumming stars in this is like a weird like, oh, God, like Dr. Moreau-esque character. Yep. And yet he probably gives the most reserved performance in the entire film. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I think that's why I love the character of Floop so much, because he could have been so easily over-the-top, goofy, and, you know, like a combination of Dr. Moreau, as you said, and as uh, and something more like maybe a Pee Wee Herman with his kids' TV show, where it's just absolutely absurd, but he doesn't. And, and it's actually, you know, like, he cares about the things he cares about. He's very... uh humbled, I think, by Tony Shalhoub, you know, locking him in the virtual reality room or whatever it is. And it it is reserved and it works. And I and I appreciate it. You know what? Because I like not that we'll still say the sequel talk for later. But like I know like 10 years later in 2011, they did a Spy Kids 4. Yeah. And I would love to see considering it's the 20th anniversary of Spy Kids a prequel animated series that explains like how Tony Shalhoub's character got involved with Floop because mm-hmm. there's really like Floop does not seem that interested in like the maniacal, like megalomaniacal plan yeah. to conquer the world. Yeah. He wants to love... make his show the best show, you know, and he's, he also is like, he wants it to be number one rated and stuff like that. <laughs> I would love to see an animated show about that. And you have like, just like spy, like, I don't know, you can always throw like spy kid stuff into it. Like mm-hmm. not Alexa Vega and Daryl Sabara, but obviously kids of the modern era have no idea who they are as uh, Carmen and Junie. Yep. But I would love to see that. And you give like that dual layer for like the parents and for the kids, like you have the normal, just like kitty antics of an animated TV show, but you have that layer of Tony Shalhoub and Alan Cumming is like their characters to bring the adults back in that are nostalgic for this. Sure, sure. That, I, I would, love that. It'd be interesting. Um, absolutely. Right, write us a check for seven figures, Netflix. We just gave you an idea <laughs> on a silver platter. Or actually, no, Rob. Who? Would, okay, Rob, think. Uh-oh. Who would be giving us a check for this? Not Netflix. Who owns the rights to this movie? Oh God! Is this another? This is another mouse one. It's Disney oh, because this is a mirror. This is a Miramax film. This is the Disney for it here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, I, Miramax was weird because like they released a lot of their stuff like through Disney at certain points, and, okay. they, and then they didn't. So it might not be Disney. I I, I don't know. Miramax might have released this on their own, but. I I don't know who would own this. I I don't know. It might be Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. He might. Is, I might. I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. don't know who would own the license to this at this point. It might be him. It might be. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Um. But so yeah. Somebody write us a check. Take the uh the Tim Burton Adams family money and give it to us. <laughs> yes. Oh God. No, um, you're right. It's this movie is not obnoxious, and I think I appreciate it a lot for that. I think that I actually like the. The characters, the design, it, it's like, like I've been saying, like we've been saying, it's good fun, you know? Uh, but as well, as you said, it it has its problems. 
I mentioned earlier, you know, how can you rehydrate a cardboard container? Because <laughs> of product uh, placement, Rob. God damn it. <laughs> if, any, if anybody could do it, it's McDonald's. They have enough money can for we, it. <laughs> can we please do like a video mashup of, of that scene of the uh, them putting the little packet in the, micro, the, the whatever you want to call it, microwave <laughs> thingy. And it like, what's the word? Like steam comes out of it. And then like it turns into like a Big Mac with fries. And then, like, in the audio is overlaid of David Lynch talking about product placement. <laughs> I like that. I like that. It's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But, like, one thing I have to say that is kind of, like, and this is me just kind of nitpicking now, that I find annoying about this film mm-hmm. are the gadgets. All the gadgets in this film, like, for a spy movie, and I get it. Like, they're try- that's one thing about Robert Rodriguez. He's always doing things on a budget. Yeah. Whether it be, like, this Alita Battle Angel, he's always trying to, like, save. Like, I wouldn't say he's trying to skimp out, but, like, he's always cutting corners to sure. save where he can. And with this, like, so, like, how many times is the solution to getting out of a problem chewing bubble gum mm-hmm. that has electricity in it and spitting it on somebody? Yep. Uh, there's there's acid crayons, concrete silly string, which is, like, instant concrete or something like that. Yeah. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Yes. Like, I, I'm kind of amused by it. I it's find like, that very – I found that scene very funny because they 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 have the two uh, – I guess the titular spy kids because Minion is calling all the robot children actual spy kids where like the Junian and uh, – Alexa Vega. Alexa Vega. Yeah, Carmen. <laughs> Carmen. My name as I said at the start. I'm Carmen. Um, Junie and Carmen uh, robots are in the corner and they're like, let's hit him with the instant concrete. And they start spraying it on them and it's drying. And I'm like, we saw them punch through concrete before. <laughs> like they're going to be able to get out of this, you know? It's like, like the, uh, the it's like the it follows scene where they're like we're gonna shock him in the pool filled with chlorinated water Don't, and I'm like stop, you're stupid stop, movie <laughs> stop making fun of the director of your favorite movie Rob <laughs> stop it stop it <laughs> but that's the thing that was like they like I thought because again I forgot like I remember this movie in broad strokes but I forgot a lot of the minuscule points that's why I almost yeah. had like, a stroke with the shark sequence yes but, like I thought there'd be a joke very early on about like machete's um gadgets and they're like oh like like none of them work or they have a very like hit or miss like success rate Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh wouldn't it be funny that every time they like this would be a great way to save on the budget that every time they try to use some sort of gadget it doesn't work yeah or or it it works in some sort of half-assed way where like it kind of gets them what they want but just barely enough to kind of like the concrete like where they spray it and it gives them just enough time to run away to sort of mobilize their enemies and no, like the gadgets work when they have to for the script and they don't work when the script doesn't really need them to work. Yeah. And that's where I'm just like, oh, like there's a lot of things in this movie that they could have just improved upon with like just another draft of the script. Like this movie, like for a kid's movie is like an, like an eight and a half out of ten. And you could very easily bring it to like a nine and a half. With one more revision to like the script. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one one thing that would give it give it a, a whole point, I think, in my book, switch the positioning of the thumb thumbs. Why is the nail side their face? The pad I, of the I, thumb should be their face. Why, Rob? Why? Because of the thumb movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you as I was watching this. Do you think Robert Rodriguez took inspiration from Steve Odekirk's thumb movies? It. It definitely seems that there's some 
relation there. The the big difference is that, of course, in the thumb movies, that the thumbs are just their heads and they have actual human bodies. In this movie, all of their limbs are also thumbs, the thumb thumbs. I, I did read in the, what I guess what we're learning is not the bastion of truth, but I found something to back it up, <laughs> that the thumb the thumbs IMDb? were, yeah, yeah, the IMDb trivia. I, I did find something to back it up, though, in an interview with Robert Rodriguez, where he says that the thumb thumbs were something that he would draw a lot when he was a child, and he put them into this movie. Uh, okay. So I think he had the idea, you know, prior to actually seeing, if he ever saw, like, a Steve Odekirk thumb thing. But it could be. I mean, I definitely thought of it. And I have to say, even though the thumb thumbs in this movie don't have their heads facing the correct way, I do love that we get the gag that there is a female nurse thumb <laughs> that has a long red painted nail. I just, I love that. Me. Excuse me. Long nail female sexy thumb nurse like she's sexy rob like she definitely has female features yes and 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 this is the thing is uh, we're not just saying this that it's the female thumb because it has a red nail it has female features like prominent it has a bust it has a bust it has a bust (laughs) oh boy yeah that that was funny i laughed at that oh yeah but i i couldn't every time the thumb thumbs are there i'm like switch them around i'm like come on Put a little CGI face on him, make the eyes move separately, and you got a movie. <laughs> oh, my God. I, okay, I'm trying to think of other elements from this that are just kind of like, okay, what about the like, the introduction where we're introduced to our characters and the romance between Antonio oh, the, Banderas the and Carlo the spy Cucina? story? The, the flashback, like, fairy tale bedtime story. I love the wedding scene. Like, that is just absolutely, oh, like... Straight up Robert Rodriguez, like, you know, uh, uh, grindhouse light type of stuff with the helicopter right on the ground, chopping off the heads of the statues as it follows them as they parachute into the sea. I'm I am so on board for that shit. And also how apparently every single person at the wedding is ready for this to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Like there is an evacuation plan in place for this exact scenario. I like that even though like, I agree with you. Like fantastic sequence, like delight, like delightful. And but like at one point during that, there's a guy who actually just like dog piles the wedding cake. Oh yes, absolutely. It's so goofy. They're just they're just jumping over each other for like no reason. And it's it's just total nonsense, which I think is adds to why I love it. But it pays off at the end because when Junie and Carmen are at the safe house and they open the Cortez photo album and and they realize that the story f- from the beginning was their parents type of thing, there's just a picture of people running and screaming. Like, of no one in particular, <laughs> like, not of the parents. It's just someone, like, holding their heads screaming and their motion blurred, like, near the camera. And I'm like, oh, God, I love it. <laughs> but, like, going back to that sequence, and you mentioned specifically, and I'm glad you did, the helicopter, like, decapitating the statues. Yes. A lot of the CGI in this movie has not held up. Oh, but no, other, but, no. <laughs> but other parts of it held up remarkably well. And that, in the helicopter sequence looked incredibly spot on definitely i that was great i think everything falls apart in the jetpack sequence <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah because they go through what city in mexico like i also have to figure out like does this take place in america like do they live in america or are they living in mexico my guess was like a like a southern california type thing is that what that and then like i my that was there's no confirmation of this but my thought was like it was a southern california type thing 
and then when they get on the uh, the ship that takes them to the safe house, that's like offshore somewhere, you know, between Southern California, Northern Mexico. But after the jetpack sequence, they end up and we get a title card for San Diablo, which means Saint Devil, which is not a real place, but it's still I funny. <laughs> I like that Saint Devil. That's uh, that's a uh, we're, we're put a Cinemati's restaurant there. That's the first satellite <laughs> restaurant of the Cinemati's. Yes, San Diablo. Yes. yes. Oh God, but yeah, uh, it's. Uh, but you're, you're a right. Lot about the helicopter sequence at the start is wonderful. I love the look of all that. I thought that was just so much fun. Uh, we get Machete there as well before he's even introduced in the movie. Uh, I even love the whole thing with Carlo Gugino like chops the the ice sculpture swan and puts its head back on and tries to sweep all the ice under the under the table. Her wedding dress is just like some random dress. It's great. I, I love that whole sequence. I'm so on board for it. <laughs> This movie actually, and that's the thing too. I think this movie deserves a lot of credit for when it comes to like children's entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's like it has a pretty good message. Oh yeah, it's like and I get it. Like this, this is, ugh, it's insane to think that twenty years later this is considered controversial. But it's the idea that like oh, the nuclear family is all that matters. Yes. And yeah. now, like, if you tried pitching this movie right now, like as a script, you would be told no. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you'd be told that the idea of the nuclear family is offensive. Yeah, I'm just thinking of the notes and be like, okay, so there's there's a there's a son, there's a daughter, there's a mother and a father, and and a uh, a the the brother, I guess the uncle. You know, um, how do we make the uncle a furry, and how <laughs> transgender can we make the parents? <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's what I mean, though. Is that like like this is a movie and can one of the like... children be adopted from a different planet? We establish with no explanation that there are Martian orphans in this universe. <laughs> uh, that's the thing, though. Like this movie for like two thousand one is like like it does a pretty nice job of like respecting like the Hispanic culture, except for maybe that what the Dio de la Muertes like cake toppers on the wedding cake oh, for some yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah. I, I Which think makes no, for some reason no sense, Hollywood is just so infatuated. If it has something to do with Latino culture, they have to get the Day of the Dead in there. You know, it's like even recently, what I mean, maybe not recently, but Coco, the Pixar movie, I think that was love Pixar. It. It's like, love it. what do we do? Day of the Dead. And it's like, there are other holidays in that culture. And I, I know it's like visually arresting or stimulating because everybody knows I love me some skulls. But it seems like they just constantly go to that well. And this is not that that different. No, but it's just kind of weird in that kind of wedding cake. It's like, what, what was there? Yes. Like, did they go to a party city and that was the only decoration they had? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, it, it's fascinating. With the With the family stuff, I agree. I love the end of this movie. Where um, uh, George Clooney shows up with the black bar over his face, and he's like, "We need uh, we need the Cortez agents," and the parents are like, "Uh oh, it's Devlin," and he's like, "No, I don't want you. I want the kids. They're the better agents now." And they're like, "I have to take the whole family." And Carlo Gugino in the background is like, "I was a hero, goddammit. Oh wait, no, okay, we're good. Machete's there for some reason too. He just pops out of nowhere in that scene. I think." <laughs> Did they say Cheech Marin, or is he still at the castle, like like as a freak? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't. I don't think we see him ever again after he turns into the Fugli. Nope. They left him there. They left him there. <laughs> <laughs> He's the goddamn Fugli. Yeah. Oh god. It's oh, I, god. it's funny. Yeah, but I'm I'm with you. I like the the whole family dynamic because that's really what I think the the uh, I mean, as simple as it is for a kids movie, I love that it all comes together at the end with that moment I just mentioned, but also when all of the robot kids are coming into like Floop's banquet hall. 
you know, the Antonio Banderas is like, I'll take the hundred on the left. You take the hundred, uh, Carla Gugino, you take the hundred on the right. Junie, you take like the middle left hundred. Carmen, you take the middle right hundred. And then Junie's like, dad, there's 500 of them. We need a, we need one more person. <laughs> and Machete busts in because who cares that he had no way to get there because he gave the kids his plane. He doesn't even have, like I said, I don't have a fucking jetpack on. He somehow gets to this giant castle at the top of it. Somehow. It's wonderful. And he's just there because of family. It's a movie about family, Zach, and it works so well. <laughs> it could be a fa- it's probably the predecessor to the Fast and Furious franchise. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know what's so funny? It's like, I remember like when they were promoting Machete, the movie that came out in 2010. Was it like one of the scenes was like him like he has to like get down to like a lower like floor and so he literally slices someone's stomach open and uses their intestines as a rope to jump through the window. <laughs> nice. I would like I would like another like 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 cut of like that sequence and like he jumps through the top window and, and he's about to crash <laughs> the second one he crashes into the spy kids flute castle <laughs> oh that'd be awesome uh i like i like the machete movie i never saw the second one i still got to see that it's a night i i remember because like everybody forgets that like i remember this was a tarantino robert rodriguez grindhouse thing from 2007 yeah where, like they, they produced all the fake trailers and they did machete a uh, hobo with a shotgun. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. Oh God, what was the other one? Um, I'm trying to think, but I can't remember. It's oh, been so uh, long. oh, Werewolf Women of the SS. Oh, which is, no, that's the best one. Yes, that is the best one. Werewolf Women of the SS. Um, a movie which I wish existed. And I think there's one more. There should be one more. And I think it's five. Um, and that was the trailer. Was Machete? Everyone's like, Oh my God, this is so crazy! Like Danny Trejo just going like balls to the wall, crazy. And it's like, did. did like as a kid, I'm like, or I guess in 2007, I was mm-hmm. what, 14. I'm like, does does no one remember that was his character from Spy Kids? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then like they made the movie in 2010. It did like okay to bad, but like I guess it made enough money because I think that was a Troublemaker Studios thing. So like they had enough money to do the sequel. Yeah, I remember I hated that movie. I remember I, I was so excited for it. It was one of those movies that I didn't get to see in theaters because it came out right as college began, freshman year. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting the Blu-ray and watching. I still have it somewhere. And it's just the problem is that it's exactly what you think it is. It was made yep. right when like Arizona was like passing like those anti like, like all those like like laws about like like emigrating to the U.S. Um, and like uh, illegal immigration. Yep. And like, so all it became was like Machete is a hero for like poor like Mexicans. And like his thing is like, I'm going to murder white people that don't like Mexicans. And I'm just like, and like and every single white person's just evil. And I'm like, oh God. <laughs> like it's so ham fisted. Oh, absolutely. And I'm just, yeah. it, but like, but not in a good way. Like it's not like there's a difference between like ham fisted and schlock. And this was just like hammy to like the point where like it's like it ends with like a bunch of like Mexicans like shooting like something, something happens to Robert De Niro, who's a senator who like hates like brown people. And a movie just ends with a bunch of like racists thinking that he's Mexican. So they like they shoot him in the face. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, OK, I'm like, this is the ending to the movie. Like that's not what like that's not what the Machete trailer was in 2007. It yeah, was not a yeah. social justice piece. It was just over the top violence with this weird antihero character that was played by Danny Trejo, who is one of the most interesting character actors in the history, visually interesting character actors in the history of Hollywood. And I'm just like like you completely missed the point of why people found this interesting. Sure, I think I, I've only seen it Machete once, and it, I definitely was attracted to it more for just the the gore and the nonsense of it. But I I know. 
what you I know what you mean, absolutely. And the second movie is just uh oh god, uh modern family Hispanic lady. What's her name? Oh, Sofia uh, Vergara. Vergara. Yeah. Yeah. It's her and she has machine gun uh, uh tassels on her boobies. Yes. Yes. That so is I, literally I all you need to know. That was it, like this is all you know about Machete Kills. Is that in the trailers it was just a uh What's her name? Vergara, Sofia Vergara yelling as her tatas shot bullets, <laughs> and the poster was Alexa Vega like in a thong wearing cha- like leather chaps. That's all you need to know. Like nobody saw the movie. They're all there wasn't a movie. It was just a ten second trailer with that poster, and that was it. Yep, yep. Oh, and at God. the end, they had a fake trailer for Machete Kills Again, and it's him going to space. Oh, that's right. I think I have seen that. Like on, that's on all YouTube it is. There's no movie. Yeah. Like if you go to rent the movie, it's literally just like, like like a press kit, and that's it. The movie doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, it, and nobody can corroborate that because nobody's ever tried to watch that movie because literally nobody on the face of the earth cares. <laughs> oh man, do you do you by any chance know uh, Danny Trejo's character name in Michael Mann's Heat? Are you aware no. of who he plays no. in Heat? Trejo. It is literally just his character name is his last name. Seriously. Like, I remember when I watched Heat for the first time, I'm like, oh, like all these, you know, people, it, it, I think Heat was 95. And so you got Pacino and De Niro, Val Kilmer, like a lot of faces, you know. And then like Danny Trejo will pop up. The Allstate commercial guy with the deep voice will show up. And it's like, oh, look at all these other people. <laughs> and then at one point when they're getting ready to do like the bank heist or one of the bank heists, they're talking to Danny Trejo and they call him Trejo. And I'm like, did they not? Like, do this scene twice? Did they only have one take and De Niro just called him by his real name? But his character name is actually Trejo. And in the credits, it's like Danny Trejo as Trejo. <laughs> what it is, Rob, it's like in that scene from Mulholland Drive where uh, um, Justin Thoreau is, like, watching uh, Camilla Rhodes in the performance. And you have, like, that weird thing where they're like, Justin, and go. And that's what it is. It's that equivalent. They just yes. left it in the movie. They yeah. figured it worked. Why not? <laughs> do you remember the story about how Danny Trejo got cast in Predators? No, I don't think so. In the script that Robert Rodriguez, like I think, wrote because he didn't direct that; he just produced it. Yeah. In the script, it said for that character, it said a the description was a guy who looks like Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo read the script and was like, "I'm a guy that looks like Danny Trejo." <laughs> I'd like that. And that and that's how he got cast in that movie. <laughs> it literally is that straightforward. <laughs> that's awesome. Like, might I say that? Like, I, I know as much as like Rob hates it when we segue into like Disney crap. But considering that, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, my God. Robert Rodriguez, like, directed Alita, which we both liked. Yeah, yeah. And, and But, like, bombed more or less because it didn't make enough money and we're never going to get that sequel now that, like, it's a Disney property. Mm-hmm. I have to say that, like, now that he's in charge of, like, the Mandalini, like, he's, like, like tangentially related to that. And, like, Boba Fett is now his, like, like sandbox to play in. Sure. I'm a little bit more relieved. I trust Robert Rodriguez more than I do John Favreau and Cowboy Hat Man. I would agree, absolutely. Um, that saying Cowboy Hat Man, I know who you mean, but when I think of Robert Rodriguez, I also think of a cowboy hat. <laughs> he's the he's the good Cowboy Hat Man. <laughs> cowboy Hat Man 2.0. <laughs> he's the one with the white hat. Cowboy Hat Man OG is the one with the black hat. <laughs> sure, sure. Oh, God. I think the only other thing I want to mention about Danny Trejo, because I don't know if he's going to come up for a while. I don't think he's in any of the rest of the Fort year, if I remember correctly. Did you know that he has 
just like us, Zach. He owns some restaurants in Los Angeles. Really? Yeah, yeah. He has a. It, I think they're still open. The last time I, I read about it, but it was one of those articles I read where it's like you know Danny Trejo breaks Trejo breaks into like the uh, the restaurateur business. Um, he has Trejo's Tacos. Trejo's Cantina and Trejo's Coffee and Donuts. <laughs> of course. So I, I always found that funny where I just imagine like you go to a, like a taco shop, Trejo's Tacos, and <laughs> Machete is there giving you a taco. <laughs> you know Danny Trejo literally has 407 acting credits? He's incredibly prolific. It's insane. He's even in a Breaking Bad. He has scenes with Dean Norris. I'm literally scrolling through like his filmography on IMDb. And I'm like not even three quarters away through it. I'm just a 2006. Yeah, he's been in so much stuff. It's insane. Absolutely. Oh God, I'm trying to say 2001. We are not. Unfortunately, we are not talking about Danny Trejo again. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think he popped up anywhere else. Actually, he years. was. Okay, a, a movie that he's in was on the short list for the end of the fourth year. He's was it in Recess Bubble Schools Boy. Out? <laughs> no, Bubble Boy. Oh, with okay. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yep, yep. Which also stars Marlee Shelton. I barely remember that movie. <laughs> it's okay, Rob, because you know why? What we, what you we, know, were, yeah, what you we know put in Mar- place of it. You, you know, you know what Marley Shelton is also in. She's Miss Cross-Eyed from Sugar and Spice. Oh, that's right, Rob. We might oh, have to God. cycle out uh, of Jeepers <laughs> Creepers with uh, <laughs> with. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Bubble Boy, and we can begin in the fourth year with the true cause of 9-11, oh, Marley Shelton. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That's good. That's that's funny. I like it. We're having, we're having fun here. <laughs> Remember, folks, these movies are what caused a bunch of terrorists to fly a plane into skyscrapers. That is the point <laughs> of the series. We're going to discern what was the cause of 9-11. <laughs> And as we already alluded to, it was Hannibal. Hannibal I, caused 9-11. I hope that when we become, like, worldwide famous, because right now, of course, we're America famous, Zach, this podcast. Yes. When we get worldwide famous or we're in the process of breaking out internationally, I would love to have the word of mouth about us be like, you know, oh, check out this podcast, Cinemodities, it's good. And they're like, what's it about? Oh, they discuss movies, TV shows, things like that. And the person describing has to be like, they are a little strangely obsessed with 9-11, but it doesn't come up that much. <laughs> I want a Cinemati's business card, and it's a picture – it's like a picture of like the second plane hitting the second tower. <laughs> and under and the tagline is, jet fuel can't melt steel beams, but movies can. <laughs> oh, God. That's on our merchandise list now. Absolutely. <laughs> Can we please get that? It's like a coffee mug. Okay. Jet fuel can't melt steel beams, but movies can. I just imagine like we find like a like a little like a not one of those big outlets online, but we find like a smaller shop that'll print like coffee mugs and stuff, and they'll be like they'll call us and be like, "Is this really what you want on your mug? We don't know Actually, if we should do this. This is like the gay like- wedding cake thing. We might not want to put a picture of the twin towers on a mug for you." <laughs> <laughs> Remember, if anyone ever Rob, if we ever go to court, our defense is Zack Snyder's to blame. He is to blame for all of this. He's the one that went to Warner Brothers in 2011 and said 9/11, but with Superman. <laughs> now I'm just imagining and, a court case where, for some reason, you and I have decided to represent ourselves, and and as exhibit whatever we're playing Batman v Superman in the courtroom, <laughs> and we show like some 9/11 stuff at the beginning, and then. 
the judge will say something and you'll be like, hold up, hold up. And you'll start hitting fast forward. We got to watch the nightmare scene real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you're out of order, Zach. You are in contempt of the court. And you're like, no, just real quick. I can find it. I know the timestamp. It's chapter six or whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. It should be noted that like 10 years later, speaking of 2000, 2011 nonsense, 10 years later, Zack Snyder is finally completing his mission of seeing a 9-11 dystopia for the DC superheroes. <laughs> it took him 10 years when he finally got it. Then oh. we had to move heaven and earth. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I almost made a horrific joke about his family, but I stopped myself before I said it. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to go through all the things that it cost him. And I'm just like, nope. Oh nope. Oh not going to put that out there. <laughs> That's good. And like Rob said once, like Zach's afraid to make comments because he's afraid he has a political career. Like literally his, his political enemies will have thousands of hours yep. of evidence against him. <laughs> yep. And that and that was primed on a silver platter. And I said, nope, I am not going to take the bait. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's funny. I mean, OK. What was that? That was a starting with Trejo tangent. That's good. Yes. So anything else? I'm trying to think like what other things about this movie that like I, I don't know. Like I kind of find those sequences where they're in what? Uh, San Diablo. I find them very visually ugly. Oh, with all the um, like they're at some the park. yellow color grading, like the really dark yeah. mustard color grading. Yeah, like, that ew. didn't do too much for me. I do. I guess I do kind of I did kind of like the visual gag where what they throw the robots throw Junie on the um carousel type thing. I don't What's know. that thing called? I, I, What's the name for that? I don't know. Now I'm trying to think of it and I can't like it's like a uh, I remember those when I was a child but like, I don't remember what they were called uh, tetanus inducing merry-go-round I mean like that's what I thought it was without the tetanus part of course <laughs> yeah. but like, like like merry-go-round that's what I'm like, like I remember those and I think they're not allowed I think those like it's kind of like teeter-totters I think those yeah. are the outlaw because what would happen is like someone would be spinning one of those and like a kid would like put their hand there or their face and someone like lost a tooth, and so everyone ha- everyone loses out because one kid is an asshole. But um, the internet like, says yeah. it is a playground roundabout. The roundabout. Yeah, that's that's I what guess. that's I what guess. the the Wikipedia page is titled. The roundabout. The the bastion of truth. Wikipedia. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a playground roundabout or merry-go-round is a flat disc, roughly some measurements in diameter, with bars on it that act as both handholds. And something to lean against while riding. Mm. I mean, it's it's not a very long Wikipedia page. <laughs> are they still legal? Like, are you still allowed uh, to like have those on public page? Anything about like safety? Uh, quick glance, it, I don't see anything on there. Uh, bah, bah, bah. There's a section on the Wikipedia page <laughs> called benefits. Okay. The this Tells equipment can help children with autism increased vestibular stimulation, can increase development of kinesthetic awareness. I, I think that means you understand you can get dizzy and can help children develop strength, coordination, and balance. I like how Rob's interpretation of kinesthetic awareness is you can get dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> I like how that is Rob's immediate knee-jerk like, interpretation of that. I'm sure that's how I learned I could get dizzy dizzy on one of those things. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I guess a roundabout. But uh, but like I said, I like that visual where he's spinning on the roundabout and then what the robot Carmen like jumps in while the whole background is motion blur. Like I thought that was a little that was a cool little visual. Can we talk about why like the moment like Junie stumbles off that thing, all the kids on the playground go like flocking to it? Oh, yeah, that's I I don't know. My thought was that they they didn't know it could go that fast. And for some reason, they think. It can go that fast without, like, a robot spinning it or something? I, I was confused by that as well. I like to imagine there was a production assistant on set. It's like, kids, just go, just chase it. Just run toward it. Be excited. <laughs> yeah. It, but, yeah, it gets just 
like mauled there's so many yep. kids that jump on that thing absolutely that yeah that's 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 the only part of that scene i really liked that to me is where the movie even though it's not very long the movie is the slowest because it's like the um what their low point where they're fighting with each other and then it's like that thing that terry hatcher gave you could be a tracker oh it is a tracker damn it you know and it, it's just it's just like come on we know they got to keep going they got to find machete at that point all that stuff no, well, they found Machete, isn't it? Or no, they did? Or, oh, yeah, they already did find Machete, yes. Or no, they didn't. They didn't, because they, they did. get his picture at the safe house, and then they yeah. go find him after they lose the brain. Other other than that, I mean, uh, the other little funny moments I love near the end when um, Floop is teamed up with them, and they're like, what can you do to stop all the robots? And they're in, like, his control room, and he's like, oh, we might be able to reprogram or turn him off. And then, you know, he's, he's, I think Junie says something like, but what if blah, 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 and Floop hits a button, all the screens display the word too late, and he goes, it's too late. <laughs> I love that. that That's delightful. wonderful. Like all those little tiny kids movie things, I think goes back to what we were saying before. It's not obnoxious. It's not reductive. It's like nice little like jokes and stuff. And even as you were getting with like the, the toilet humor, I love the setup that the, when the parents are talking, they're like, they say something like, you know, oh, our kids are fucking oh, yeah. fooglies. Like, our kids are loser fooglies. And they're like, one of them wears diapers to bed. And the whole movie is set up that you think it's going to be Junie. But then there's the reveal that it's Carmen. And it's not like, you know, they make, like, a bunch of, like, toilet humor jokes. It's just that reveal to really just be like, oh, you know, I didn't, I, it's another subversion of your expectations. And and that, by definition, makes a wonderful movie, sack. <laughs> But that's the thing, though. Like, who is that joke for? Like, kids aren't going to laugh at that. Sure, sure. And, like, I can't imagine an adult – I guess an adult would chuckle at that. Yeah, yeah. Like, that feels like a joke that was ahead of its time. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because, like I, I, like, I can't – I don't know who that joke would be for in 2001 unless you were, like, part of, like, Robert Rodriguez's camp and you're, like, new age and, like, cutting edge and mm-hmm. that was the sort of thing that you find funny. Like, it's funny, but it just feels, like, out of place in, like, a mainstream – film in 2001 yeah yeah and i i mean i think it even kind of feels out of place to me because it is this it's played for, as this joke but it also adds to the character development and, and the kids relationship and so it's kind of like well, i think ahead of its time might be the best way to put it because it's like wow this actually works on multiple layers it's not just for a quick laugh or gag it's actually going to mean something for our characters and i guess i just have i might have more but this is the last point i want to bring up is that I forgot about this until I watched it, but it's always stuck in my craw, and it continues to stick <laughs> in my craw 20 years later, is that at one point they're going through all of Machete's like, inventions and devices, yep. and they pull out a little mini lightsaber. Yes, yes. But Rob, this is what I love, and this shows you how kind of just like handmade this movie is. The, ha- like, the handle hilt is a lightsaber pencil sharpener from 1999 (laughs) and i know that for two reasons one if you look at it it's obi-wan's lightsaber from the phantom menace and two i actually had that i figured you were gonna say that you had it (laughs) and and all i did was spray paint it like matte gray yep yep and i'm like and like i just find that fascinating that like you couldn't find anything else that looked like a handle like sure. I think it's a cute little nod to Star Wars by all means, but like as a kid, I wasn't really sure. But now, like I'm an adult, I'm like, God damn it, they did use a, <laughs> a, 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 and it's a little pencil sharpener. I'm like, it's a pencil sharpener. I'm just like, God damn it. Yeah, I, mean, I was I, right for budget. That's that fits perfectly. 
I mean, we didn't even mention it before. The I think the most like four budget thing in this movie is the world's smallest camera, which is not a prop. It's literally nothing. <laughs> it's literally somebody's like the point of their index finger. Yes, yes, and it's just like we need a camera. It's the world's smallest camera. There you go. It is invisible to the human eye. Perfect. <laughs> I'm surprised there. I guess you couldn't do like an invisible car or anything, right? Because I would call it. I'd be like, but like there are like one of the hardest effects even to this day is like flying like i know even some of the behind the scenes stuff i've seen in movies like captain marvel is like anytime you need an actor to fly oh sure it's always expensive to do and yet this movie has quite a fair amount of people like just like whether it be the jet packs the plane all this stuff yeah the plane there always seems to be like a fair amount of that and it looks convincing oh yeah, yeah like like don't get me wrong it doesn't hold up to today's standards but it's just convincing enough Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I saw, and I, I guess I, I was totally expecting, you know, all the special effects not to hold up. But it really it really works, you know, and I, I'm totally fine with it. Even the, um, the underwater stuff, like with their ship to the safe house and the, the car that the parents, you know, drive off a cliff, that, that's all looked fine to me. I was able to, to get past it. It's, it's good. I liked it. What do you think the most egregious special effect in this is? It's got to be the um, flying over the city with the jetpacks, I think. Right. I, I yeah. yeah, that the tunnels and the city that none of that really worked for me at all. Like that was the clearly like, you know, a lot of this is CGI. A lot of this is is some special effect and it just did not work. Even the like the down to like the flames coming out of the jetpack did not look great. Really? Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So so that I think that's the biggest one, though. Everything else I'm fine with. Like I like the the exterior shots of Floop's Castle, which looks like a giant boot. I, I like the transformation sequences of the Fugly machine, which I'm calling it because I don't know if there's an actual name for it. That's this machine that's somehow connected to a piece of clay. Somehow, it's like magic clay. I love all the Fuglies. I know they're not like CGI or anything, but those are great little costumes. I guess the another thing of CGI that didn't look great to me, but I think it worked because it's in the context of it being a kid's show, is when Floop does his song, his, like, theme song when he's dancing, uh, like, with all the Fooglies in the virtual room. Like, that didn't look great, but like I said, it works because it's for the intro of a kid's show, it seems, which I was fine with. And I also love that song. It's a cool, cool world, all you little boys and girls, and some mean, nasty people want to have you for their supper. But if you follow me, Zach, you have to know who wrote that song, don't you? What's the, oh the oh god oh yeah Danny Elfin yeah we get so much fucking Danny Elfin in this series. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, Floop song, Cruel World. That's great. I love that song. Um, it's it's good fun. I I I know they do the o Oyo Como Spy. The uh, Los Lobos does the cover of Oyo Como Va.
but with the word spy instead. Do you get it, Zach? Because uh, they're spies. I don't. I don't know if Zach gets it. Everybody, write in. Explain this joke. <laughs> All right, I'm looking at Robert Rodriguez's like filmography. Like this is his first kids movie, right? Oh uh, yeah, first. It kids has movie. to be. Yeah. Cause, like you look at like his major films, like ninety two is his first like like actual film. Like uh, El Mariachi is that when he is that the start of the the trilogy thing that he does that ends with Once Upon a Time in Mexico? I don't think uh, maybe. Okay, I don't know. Okay, I don't, yeah, I don't know if that was his first or his second movie when he I th- starts. I that think trilogy. it's what Desperado. I think Desperado is one of them. Yeah, I know it ends with um, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, it's El Mariachi, Desperado, then Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Okay, okay. But you have like Desperado from Dust Till Dawn, The Faculty, Spy Kids, Spy Kids Two, Island of Lost <laughs> Dreams, Spy Kids 3D, Game Over. Once upon a time in Mexico, then he kind then he does Sin City in Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl in 3D, both in 2005. Okay, he does Planet Terror and Grindhouse. Yep. Yeah, then he does and like t- Planet Terror was kind of a bomb. Shorts, which is like a, another kids movie that just is like DOA. Okay, then he does like a Nespresso commercial with George Clooney where a piano gets dropped on him, <laughs> and then then you have Machete. Then you have Spy Kids 4D, and then like in 2013 he has Machete Kills, which is another bomb. Mm-hmm. Frank Miller's Sin City: A Dane to Kill for another bomb, and then he starts doing like a lot of TV and music videos. Like he does, like and possibly one of the strangest music video directorial credits of all time. He does like Demi Lovato's Confident. Yeah, I saw he does that. A bunch- yeah. <laughs> He de- like, so pretty much for the latter half of the 2010s, he really doesn't do anything. Like he does a couple of TV series here or there, and then in 2019 he does Alita, which we know like he spent like two or three years on. Yep. And then the strangest thing is that in 2020 he directs the one episode of The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and he also directs the Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande music <laughs> video "Rain on Me." Yep. Which might be the strangest thing that he's ever done. It is very weird. Absolutely. It's bonkers. Yeah, and it's it's he's just a weird dude, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> but like he's one of those people like in Hollywood, like he's a Ryan Johnson or Guillermo del Toro that like he might not have a lot of successful films, mm-hmm. but like he knows how to play the game yeah, in Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. He knows how to keep everybody happy. And I think that's the thing. Like I, again, I'm surprised he never got brought into the I guess he didn't get brought into the Marvel fold because he's just too what he likes to do his own thing sure and they, sure. And, and they don't like that they don't like established people in, in, in that world because he also did the netflix show we can be heroes which is like loosely based off of like the adventures of shark boy and lava girl oh okay okay loosely based loosely. <laughs> and didn't his like son write shark or he wrote it with his son shark boy and lava girl like he has he gets his kids involved too i think i've read i have no idea i wouldn't okay. be surprised because like, at that point i kind of checked out from him sure, sure um as a kid like i was more aware of sin city than shark boy and Lava Girl and just look too like it's weird to think like in 2001 like Spy Kids comes out and then you look at Shark Boy and Lava Girl and it's like a visual like vomit sandwich <laughs> okay yeah I, I don't know written by Robert Rodriguez and Marcel and Racer Rodriguez so I That's, guess I was trying like, to remember because one of his I knew one of his kids had a weird name it's Racer he named his son Racer Rodriguez I'm pretty sure after Spy after uh, Speed Racer nice 
Nice. It should have been Speed Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> Speed Racer Rodriguez. Yeah. Oh, God. Come on. Get on that, Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> have another Here kid. I think he already he has like seven him. children or something, but have another Does he? kid. He has a lot of kids I remember looking into when we did Alita back in the day. I, I remember it being uh, a large number, I'm pretty sure. Oh, my God. All right. Do you have anything else to say about this film, or do you want to start talking about the sequels? Well, I, I think the last thing I have about this movie is the thing that barely plays into the movie but it like two moments or one moment in the plot kind of hinges on it but it's not too, not too egregious the thing that i did not understand or appreciate both when i saw this movie back in 2001 and now junie has a legitimate superpower to mimic anybody's voice yeah. on command <laughs> that oh okay Yes, we didn't talk about that because it's it's like once again it's set up very early on. Yes, with um, Alexa Vega that like he's imitating her, and unless you're really paying attention, you don't realize you're just taking her dial, taking her voice recording and just slightly <laughs> tweaking it. Yeah. Then you get to the Tony Shalhoub part, and you hear little Daryl Sabara at like ten with Tony Shalhoub's voice coming out of his mouth, and it might be like it's up there with like. That's my boy. No one's ever seen a King Cobra laugh before. <laughs> like, it's that level of funny. It's so strange. And I remember so vividly when I saw this as a kid thinking the same thing. What the hell is this? Like, it's never explained. He just has a legitimate superpower. Because I think people that are born, the very, very small percentage of people who are born with perfect pitch, which is when you can recreate certain notes perfectly without hearing them first— that that's a superpower it's it's it makes no sense i that's still one of the things i did not like this time around because i feel like they could have easily just gotten to it you know or gotten that scene where they what they get tony shalhoub out of the meeting with the financiers and robert patrick and put him in the Fugly machine a different way because they already had alan cumming on their side but i guess i wanted to save this for this transition into the sequels because i want to know if it comes up again in the sequels or is this just for no reason he can do it and it's used? Nobody think about it. But that's the one thing I'm like, I can't stop thinking about it. It bothers me that he has an actual power. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, do you want, now can I segue into the sequel I think talk? so. I think, I, I'm hoping, this is going to be my guess. I'm hoping that one of the sequels explains that when he was born, they implanted a, com Machete implanted a computer chip in his vocal cords that let him do this. That's my guess, but I'm ready now, Zach. <laughs> um, okay. I, to this day, have never seen the second movie. Okay. I have never seen it. I saw the third movie in theaters with my nephew and his parents. Okay. Because I think it was in 3D. And also, I think it had scratch and sniff cards, which is – we've talked about that oh, before on Cinema. Oh, Okay, okay. And I, I could be wrong, though. I could be wrong. Maybe maybe that's the fourth movie. I've never seen the fourth movie either. I think that – because that was 4D. I don't know. No, it couldn't have been. I don't know. I, I, I could be wrong about the scratch and sniff for the third movie. Sure, sure. Second movie, my memory is – and Rob's going to love this – is like like delayed context. But, like, that came out, like, a year and a half after this. And it was one of those movies, like, oh, God, this made us an insane amount of money. Rush it. It's one of the most rushed films into production when it comes to, like, a major franchise ever. Mm -hmm. Probably only second to, like, things like Agent Cody Banks and the Alien, <laughs> Alien vs. Predator franchise. Okay. I think I've talked about the Alien vs. Predator where, like, that came out in August of 2003. And that made so much money. Fox just, like make this movie like it's a yeah. license to print money we don't care and they literally like finished the movie like they, from start to finish it was like eight months sure insane 
and then like I remember like Cody Banks was a similar story where like in less than a year is another kids movie that did like well beyond it should have. And like they're like, we need another movie. Like I remember on the DVD le- DVD release for Agent Cody Banks, there was a teaser for the fir- for the second film, which hadn't even started shooting yet. It's this Frankie Nunez in front of a white screen being like, <laughs> I have a top secret mission. I, I, I like a uh, oh god, communique for you. We're making a second movie, but we don't have any details just yet. Okay, which is Agent Cody Banks two, like coming soon. Oh god, and the movie got released I think within like thirteen months. This was a very similar circumstance. This comes out in March, and I think the sequel comes out in august mm-hmm. or september yeah, yeah august, so, of august 7th it looks like of, of, which of is not ben affleck's birthday unfortunately it, it's not ben affleck's birthday but again you're talking about what a 18 month window yeah and considering how effects heavy th- these movies are oh boy and then i think when it came to the third movie i think it was even a i think it was a year again i think it was september to september uh, the internet says July 25th, 2003 for the third one, so less than a year. So that's what? A 10-month production? Yeah, that and is that's why crazy. The, and that's why the films have, like, devolved in, like, visual quality. Sure, If sure. they had even less and less of a timetable to work with when it came to special effects. Um, I remember the second movie wanting to see that. And I remember that was when my nephew's parents were fighting. And mm-hmm. so, like, it was like it was like one of those divorce scenarios, almost, in that, like, each parent was trying to outdo the other. So, like, that, that, as Rob knows, that is around the time of my birthday. And I just had my birthday. And I remember, like, he was getting more stuff than I did at my birthday just because everybody felt sorry for him. And they were trying to make him feel okay about his parents fighting. Sure. And I remember this as a 10-year-old being so frustrated with that. And plus, like I've said numerous times, him and I always had this, like, one-for-one, like, competition who could always have the most amount of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it frustrated me. And one of the things that made me so mad was that, like, his parents were fighting and his mom took him to go see Spy Kids too, uh. And I wasn't invited. And I was, like – and I think to this day I hold some sort of, like – misplaced grudge against that film for that reason <laughs> sure <laughs> like i'm not gonna watch that like i wasn't invited i don't care um like and again to this day i've never seen that um for the third movie i, I have that. never seen like i said earlier the sequels but i just i pulled it up because i was interested i have to talk about the cast of the second one steve buscemi as like like as well, ray harryhausen well of course steve buscemi's in there uh he plays He's ray harryhausen he is ray harryhausen in that movie <laughs> I know that much because like it's all stop motion, like all okay, the okay. of that movie. Um, so Steve Buscemi's there. Our our main five come back. So the family, including uh, Machete, come back. Mike Judge is back as the same character. He's in the third movie too. Oh, okay. I haven't gotten to that one yet, but okay. Um, Ricardo Montalban and Holland Taylor seem to be their grandparents. Christopher McDonald is the president of the United States. Alan Cumming and Tony Shalhoub are back. Taylor Momsen is in it. Uh, who we know is Cindy Lou Who from The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. And I just I just want to die. Cheech Marin is back, so maybe they do save him in the second one. And playing a character called Dinky Winks is Bill Paxton. Dinky I, I Winks. I don't know. <laughs> Dinky Winks. Bill Paxton plays Dinky Winks. I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay continue but i know where he fits into all that that's all the ones i wanted to to point out the other ones i don't none of them stand out to me but dinky (laughs) like dinky wings well they also have they also have like rival spike fellow spy kids that are their cousin okay because there's like because there's like a blind kid no i'm sorry blonde kid i wish it was a blind kid (laughs) oh god uh yeah because there's like a blonde girl and the blonde kid okay yeah apparently i think this might be matt o'leary and emily osmond matt o'leary plays gary giggles 
Emily Osment plays Gertie Giggles. Yes. And Emily Osment will go on to be in uh, Hannah Montana as like the sidekick. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Look Another at that. Disney production. But that's the thing though. Like, I remember. Winks. Because <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you remember that. Because I remember like in Spy Kids 3D Game Over, they have a. Um, like a reunion of all the characters from the series because it was back still when like movies were trilogies and that like and you cut them off at that it was the star wars principle you, sure you capped it at three and i remember there's like this cowboy character that shows up and i'm like who the hell is this <laughs> and now that you bring it up and like now i think about it, it was bill paxton oh okay okay i think it's, it's that's the thing rob is that, like i think oh god like I think you should watch the second one because I think you. I think you would probably find it more enjoying. I think it's <laughs> more up your alley. The third movie, Bill Paxton comes back as Dinky Winks, like you said, but his real life son James Paxton is also in the movie yeah. playing Dinky Winks Junior. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love it this. Why isn't this called Spy Kids colon Dinky Winks <laughs> and Spy Kids colon Dinky Winks Returns? <laughs> well, Rob, we know why. Bill Paxton, R.I.P. Dinky Winks, R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, Rob goes to Bill Paxton's grave and just puts flowers down. We never truly knew you, Dinky Winks. Dinky Winks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm looking at the cat. Yeah, see, like Cheech Marin's in the third one. Danny Trejo, Alan Cummings, Tony Shalhoub. But, but, okay, yeah. but that's the thing, though. It's like in the third movie, how it ends is that, like Sylvester Stallone plays like 18 characters. Okay. And like they're fighting him in like Disney's Toontown. Um, like it's 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 oh god, it's disgusting. Like it's it's an ugly, ugly film. Okay. Like imagine Alita Battle Angel, but they can only process like all the footage with a Nintendo sixty four. Like that's what it looks like. And like at the end, like all the characters from the franchise show up. But the sure. thing is that clearly they couldn't get them all on the same day, so they all just show up in front of a green screen, and they're never in the same shot together. Even. Oh, this was about maybe 10 years ago because I have Spy Kids 3D on, on DVD. It's the 3D cut. You wear your little blue and red glasses. Oh, and it's the okay. most like it's the most like mind grain inducing thing you'll ever do with your life. And I watched it and I'm like, oh, God, I'm like none of these actors outside of like Daryl Sabara and Alexa Vega are like on set together. Like everybody <laughs> else just had literally had like an afternoon. They filmed them for like a couple hours and then they flew back, flew them back to wherever they came from. Okay. And that's the thing, because like. I, I'm pretty sure at that point Alexa Vega was done with this because she's not even in the movie until like I think two thirds of the way through. Okay, okay. Because that was the plot. That was like the marketing. It's like what happened to uh, Alexa Vega, and the plot is that like uh, Junie has to go into like uh, the Matrix to find her, oh, and she yeah. doesn't show up until like two thirds of the way through. Okay, this is coming back to me. I feel like I've heard of this that it is like they go into a video game or something like that. It's it's the Matrix. Like okay. that's it. Like, this, okay. Remember, this is two thousand. This is the summer of two thousand three. So like the Matrix had just come out a couple months earlier. Yeah. Everybody knew the Matrix sequels were on the horizon. So it's like okay, let's tap into that to hopefully get some of the parents to reluctantly like bring like the, the parents aren't going to hate themselves for sure. going to see this. Okay. And that's what it was. And it was just like oh god, because like, there's so many things in that movie that like I've always wondered like because Ricardo Montalban is in that movie like a lot. He's featured heavily. Okay. He basically takes on the uh, Alexa Vega character like it's in like Junie side. <laughs> <laughs> and what they do is that like i'm not sure if ricardo montalban was stuck in a wheelchair in that point in his life it has to be because it's a major plot point in the film okay because like I, about a third of the way into the movie he gets some sort of like video game token and he's able to like they, they just like digitally mat his head like on a giant like pacific rim jaeger <laughs> and i'm just like oh was this how they got around like a wheelchair and cgi like environment 
Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, is this how they did? They just had him like sitting down. They just like they did like a mat like thing onto his head. They matted his head onto like like a CGI creation. Um, like in all honesty, Rob, if I had to guess based on my knowledge of the second film, you would probably like the second one more than the first one. Okay. And you would probably find the third one fun, but also hate it at the same time. Sure, sure. I think I think you should watch the remaining two because I think you would like the fourth one. No, like the fourth one is just, like I've never seen it. Um, it looks like a nightmare. Like just in the trailer, the fourth one has Jessica Alba, Joel McHale, and, and, Rick, and Ricky, Ricky Gervais. Gervais as a dog. As a dog. Oh, I, I didn't know. know he's a dog. But Jeremy Piven is also in it. He's the villain. He's a timekeeper. Okay. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I know. Like that. Everybody who was involved in that movie should like, like when that movie came out. They, instead of having a red carpet career, they should have gone to the local Home Depot. Rented the wood chipper and put everybody involved with the movie into it. Oh God! Okay, including all film prints. Like that's one of those things. Like if like, I went on like the Lost Media Wiki and like all copies of Spy Kids 4D, like all the time in the world are destroyed, I'd be like, you know what? I'm okay with this. <laughs> Not much was lost here. <laughs> <laughs> the world somehow is a net positive because of this choice. Yeah. Oh God. No. Okay. And apparently, I... according to like ho- the Hollywood Reporter, like he wants to reboot this franchise again. Mm, okay. I mean, yeah. If he can't I, do more I... Alita. <laughs> oh God! There should be a goddamn Alita animated series. Do go get the people who made Tron Uprising. Give them ten million dollars and tell them make an Alita series. Disney Plus. Go do that. Like, like that is a perfect way to combat the Snyder Cut. Give a niche following something, and they'll be happy. Sure. Alita sure. goddamn Battle Angel, Rob. I, I want more, CJ. Uh... I want Edward Norton, James Cameron. I was thinking of that, and we also need more, um, uh, what's her name, brain in a suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> One of the strangest things to ever happen in a modern movie. Like that, Jennifer like, Connelly, like, that's about, her name. Yeah. Jennifer Connelly. Like, 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 think about that in a nutshell. Is that in 2019, Alita Battle Angel comes out. It ends with Jennifer Connelly's head, like, in a briefcase. <laughs> Not even head, just, like, I don't even know what you would call that. Yeah, it's, like, what, it's the, like brain, eyes, and some of the, the circulatory system or, or nerve yes, endings or something yes, like that. <laughs> yes, I'm going to rip your endocrine system out of your body. Um, that, Isn't that now, the that's premise a of Crank 2 as well, that the villain from the first one's head is in a jar? I'm pretty sure that's Crank too. That the villain from the first one's head is in the jar, and and Jason Statham like picks it up, and like the head in the jar can speak for some reason, and it like it says like "fuck you, Chev Chelios," but it's bubbly because he's underwater, and so it's. (laughs) Movies are insane. (laughs) But think of it this way, though, Rob. Alita Battle Angel comes out after being delayed for like a year and a half. It is, for all intents and purposes, a bomb. Yep. Disney, a year and a half late, not even a year and a half later, gives Robert Rodriguez the keys to possibly the second most popular character in all of Star Wars. Sure, sure. Like, that's like, like, as much as we make fun of Disney and the weird ass, <laughs> wonky ass decisions they make, that's a pretty good ending. Or yeah, at least, yeah. like, a, a final note to end on. It's like, you know what? Like, like we hate Disney. Like, they are, they're going to destroy us all. They are the cancer <laughs> that will consume all of media. In art, but at the same time, a broken clock can be right twice a day. Yep, absolutely, absolutely delightful. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Alita Battle Angel, check it out. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Check out our episode of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In uh, uh, Jackie Earl Haley in a robot costume. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we also get Jeff Fahey with mechanical dogs, the lawnmower man yep. himself. Yep. <laughs> but last but not least, Edward Norton is James Cameron. <laughs> Jai Courtney as Jai Courtney. <laughs> 
God damn it, I want that Alita. I, you know what's so funny? Like, I think we talked about this off mic, but like, I got so burnt out on Alita like in February of 2019 <laughs> that I have not watched it since like the last time it was in theaters. Like, sure. I saw it in the theater, sure. and that was what two like that was what two years ago now. Yeah, that was a while ago now. Yep. Yeah, go go Robert Rodriguez. Like that'd be like he'd be a fun person to do. Like not to like once again do, do, like delve into like the blank check model. But like that'd be a fun director to do, like just watch his movies. Oh sure, yeah. Because I, mean, I don't, because because I think we wouldn't be happy through some of them, especially like your shorts and like sh- like Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Yeah. But I think like like you're from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, I, I still time time enjoy that movie. Yeah. I think we could have some fun with that. It's just like, God, those early 2010 movies, man. That would that would be a nightmare. <laughs> that would be a legit nightmare. Like oh, Sin yeah. City, a day to kill for Machete kills. Oh God, Lady Gaga, rain on me. <laughs> Demi Lovato's. Demi Lovato's. It'd be interesting for sure. <laughs> Can I please give a special sh- somebody who has made it loud and clear on this podcast? And I think I should say that um, we are now. I I know we talked about this two years in the music video series, and where I talked about the 18s. That in February of 2001 was the release of 18s. Uh, album Teen Spirit, okay. which at the time was only 18 years old. So it, as Rob says, it could sit there, smoke, yep. and buy lotto tickets. <laughs> it's now 20, Rob. It can almost drink. Mm, okay, okay. Right but on. it's a tie us back to pop music. And that song, Confident by Demi Lovato, where Robert Rodriguez directed the music video, the whole point of that is Demi Lovato is mad because dudes don't like that she's confident. <laughs> And every single time that oh, song God. came on the radio, like in 2015 or whenever it came out, I never understood the point of that. I, I know it's wrong to read into pop songs because it's, it's it's like trying to find out like the nutritional value of cotton candy. Sure, it's like what like what? But <laughs> the whole point of that song is dudes don't like me because I'm confident, and I've always been flustered by the idea of like a bunch of dudes being turned on by a woman at the club, mm-hmm. and then being like, dude, you don't go after her; she's too confident. <laughs> I, I just I I've never heard someone use confidence as like a detriment to describing someone's like qualities. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying, but I don't know if uh, if promising young woman ta- taught us anything. <laughs> It's that they need negative confidence. Like, they need to be passed out on the floor. That's the only time men will try and pick women up at the club, it seems. (laughs) They need to have no confidence nor motor skills. (laughs) I just mean, when you say that, all I can imagine is the part in that movie where, like, McLovin, like, she's, like, like, pretending to be passed out. McLovin's like, hey hey oh yeah he's like, oh. and he's like oh god damn it and he, like he deliberately like what like drops something on the floor and yeah, like, hey. yeah. And he's like oh i'm sorry did i startle you <laughs> oh delightful are you fucking kidding me hey 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 there you are you fell asleep Promising Young Woman, go check it out if it's still playing in a movie theater when this comes out sometime in April. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, well, I think I don't have anything else left for Spy Kids. Uh, we spied on some children. We're going to get arrested for it now. That's always good. The Spy, ki- the spy Kids Who Love Me. <laughs> the Spy Kids Who Shag Me. Now we're definitely going to Yeah, arrested. I was about to say, that's getting in some dangerous territory right there. <laughs> So I guess with that being said, I'm ready for our questions. Um, mm. I think 
I think late night, I'm going to go yes. I think this is good fun for a late night movie. I think for all the reasons we discussed. But for Cinemonte, I think I'm leaning no. Um, it doesn't really fit the bill for me. It's a great kids movie that I enjoy. But I think it's more of a late night than a Cinemonte. So I'm going no to Cinemonte, but yes to late night. What do you think, Zach? I am going to say no to both. Oh, okay. Because A, the Total Recall protocol principle. Mm, sure. And that this movie was wildly successful. Like, this movie did $130 million in, like, March of 2001. Like, that was rare for a kid's movie yeah. to do that well. No. this, And I think, like, as for Cinemonte, that makes a no. Um, there's some weird stuff in here, but I think it's too intentional. Okay. Um, I, it's kind of like almost Tim Burton-y where like you almost would expect it. Like it's trying too hard for it to be odd. Like there's nothing in this movie that feels odd to me. Everything feels deliberate and on purpose. Yeah. And I think you can't do that, especially when it comes to mainstream entertainment. As for late night movie, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody within our age demographic who has not seen this. That's a good point. I think you'd be hard you'd be hard pressed to find anybody under the age of thirty five who has never seen this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, unless you're having some sort of late night movie with somebody like in their forties or older, <laughs> and I think for the most part they'll be amused, they won't find this peculiar. Um, I don't think it works for either one. Okay, so okay. it's gonna be a no for me, dog. Sure, I hear what you're saying. All right, uh, well then, our snacks. I think I want to kick it off with uh, something I don't think we've done in a while. If we ever have done it. Uh, I don't know about you, Zach. You can say yes or no to this. But for me personally, not for the restaurant, just for me, like in my real life and maybe while I'm at the restaurant doing whatever needs to be done there, the Fooglies that we get to see in this movie, which have names, but I didn't write them down or memorize them, but those those OSS agents that get turned into the Fooglies, I, I just want them like as servants. Like I just want like the one with the janky limbs and like the, the weird like lankiness. I just want all of them. You know, just just being my servant, like bringing me stuff and me being able to order them around. And then when like people come over, they get freaked out by them. And then if like the the Fooglies try and say anything, they're they're speaking in reverse and sped up so no one can understand them. I just love the look of them. And I'd love to have like someone come over and be like, you know, oh, Foogly, I don't know, three or whatever it would call them. Be like, can you get us like drinks? And then this thing like comes out of the closet and the other person with me is like, holy <laughs> shit, what is that? And it's like, it's my servant. It's a Foogly. And then we can just, like, yell at it and berate it and throw things at it and call it a Foogly. <laughs> may, may I take that idea and take it one step further, but okay. in a different direction? Okay. Do you remember, this goes back to Mr. Newsdad's class, and we were learning about, like, the Roman Empire, and they had, like, their, well, okay, remember he used to talk about the, what, the, the Roman dinner parties? Remember that? He had, like, oh, an acronym for it. Yeah, sure. I don't remember the acronym, but I know what you mean, yeah. We should have that, but we should have the Fooglies as, like, sex slaves perform sexual acts, <laughs> like, like a giant banquet table. Oh, my God, and this, that. And this, takes, and this takes place in Floop's, like, thing with the giant – and they have sex on the giant, like, hand puppet glove chair. Oh, I love that chair also, I have to say. Um, <laughs> I, That's what I want, Rob. Oh I want God. I want a giant – I want an orgy amongst all the, the Fooglies. I, d- I, I, I love that idea. I did not think of this while I was writing my notes. I will leave it to some of our braver viewers or more courageous viewers – there has to be like porn drawings of the Fooglies in existence. Like that has to oh, exist 100%. on the internet. I don't want to see it. I don't think I would like it. But <laughs> I, somebody look into that. <laughs> Rob's like, I don't want to see it though. But someone needs to confirm it's existence. <laughs> oh my god, that's insane. Oh, and they're just like, Floop is a madman. Help us, save us. Floop is, <laughs> Floop is making us fuck each other. Help us, save us. <laughs> 
that that, that would be great. the adult version of Spy Kids when you know what Junie is trying to break Alan coming out of the virtual room and he's like Junie what does my show need and Junie's like sex with the Fooglies Foogly orgies Forgies <laughs> it needs to be raunchier <laughs> oh god that's good that's great. speaking of the parties one thing i did want for the restaurant whenever we have parties or someone has a party there which i'm pretty sure we already have i love the idea that we see it at like floops banquet table all of the food on plates are on like springs and they're bouncing up and down so i would like to have like spring placemats for all of our plates and stuff at our parties i just like okay. the idea that all the because like, it's, it's so strange i'm watching it and there's that scene with floop and the two parents at like the banquet table and all the plates are wobbling up and down and i'm like what the fuck is going on and then i see that they're all on springs <laughs> i like that idea that was fun i can get behind that right on right on um i would love to have that transformation machine the foogly machine because zach this might be the coolest way for us to create our walk around characters and such. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah, and I would love to have it like on in like a like on display, so people can see like our human employees getting turned into like Nelson De La Rosa and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I, I can we please talk about that for a second? That like it's a it's some sort of computer slash device. Yes, that like can transform you, but like all you've got to do to design it is that like model take modeling clay. It's the weirdest thing. How is the clay it, connected to the machine? It makes no I sense. I know. <laughs> I know. It's just clay, and whatever you do with the clay turns the person into it. I want. I wanted the movie to go harder into that by like legitimately just having someone ball up the clay into a sphere and turn someone into a sphere. <laughs> like I just. I want to know the limits of this thing. You know, like make it like a really long, thin, like hot dog shape. What does that do to the person? <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, that's what we're here for. That's yes, what we're here for. Absolutely. And that's what our, and that's what our spinoff is for. I guess one of my additions to the restaurant is that we have to have, I mean, even though the, 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 we can create all the cash we need, we need something for the money laundering. Yes. So I do I do want for our restaurant, we will we will help produce the prequel to Spy Kids with Tony Shalhoub and ah, Alan Cumming. okay, okay. And, and speaking of that, I want Alan Cumming as a maitre d' for our restaurant. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I, I think that works well because I – at one point in the beginning when the kids are eating cereal, I think when like Cheech is taking care of them or sitting on the couch, I think Cheech Floops, is just yes. – yes. We have Floops the Floop cereal. cereal and my note was like I would love to have Floop cereal, but then I corrected myself and I wrote, really, I just want any cereal with Alan Cummings' face on it. <laughs> <laughs> like if it, was, if it was called like oh, – this sounds terrible. If it was called like Cumming O's. I'd be so on board with it. <laughs> and you got the, you got the milk, Rob. So there you go. It, 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 it. Do you think somebody kept that prop box with oh, Alan face so. on it? I hope Alan Cumming has it. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, if you're if you're somebody on set, how do you not save that from like a, like a dumpster? Yeah, like, how do you not? Exactly. That'd be so cool. Absolutely. And I, I think the last snack that I had then was uh, for the sin emodities, uh, as we often see in restaurants these days, or maybe not as much these days. Uh, kids get some crayons to play with and draw with. We give them the <laughs> acid crayons in the Cine Modities portion of the restaurant. <laughs> Delightful. Delightful. And we and we hope that they eat them. <laughs> no, I have to imagine give some kids that and they start like just like drawing on like you know like over I don't know if restaurants still do this. 
But like they, I remember in Florida, they used to give us like they give you crayons. They put like a thing of like, oh god, it was like it was a weird combination of like a paper towel and parchment paper. Oh sure, on yeah. the tables, yeah. And like they deliberately have like rolls of it, so like they just pulled it and tear it once like the next like the table was done. Yep. They should have that, but like the kids are playing with them, and it literally just like ca- causes the table to fall apart. <laughs> Perfect. I like that. <laughs> Any other snacks from you, Zach? I okay for Sin Emotis. Okay, like, you know, like a, like we probably talked about this a little bit in Disneyland fun sing along songs. Like you have like character like breakfast. I think we should have that. Like of course beyond just like the giant sex orgy, we have them like walking around like the floops as uh, uh whatever the fooglies as like characters that walk around for breakfast when they're not having orgies. Okay, um, but we also like at the end we see the pancakes with, like the bacon smile. Like the banana slice eyes. Mm-hmm. We should have that, but in the shape of the flu- of Fuglis. Oh, okay. I dig that. That's cool. Yeah, and I also like, as you said, you know, they walk around in the breakfast time when they're not having sex so they can, like, drink their orange juice and <laughs> and rehydrate and such. Perfect. <laughs> yes. What an exactly. existence. What an existence <laughs> of a Fugly. <laughs> And one day, one day they come to Rob and they're like, can we just have regular sex? And Rob's like, no, violent sex. <laughs> and they're like, oh. <laughs> and that's what it is too. Like it's, it's not just an orgy. Like it's a violent orgy. Like oh, yeah. People are getting hurt. Oh, oh yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's rough. I mean, it's going to be another episode of Law & Order Cinemodities for sure. <laughs> Mariska Hargitay will not be happy about it. <laughs> Like, none of this, like, eyes wide shut regal orgy, like, <laughs> nonsense. Like, no, this is, like, a, like imagine, like, oh, it's, like, the grimiest orgy where, like, people are getting hurt. Like, there's bruises. There's cuts. <laughs> Just imagine the SVU team being like, but they're people. You can't do this to them. And we're like, they're not people. They're fooglies. <laughs> going to turn you into a fooglie. <laughs> Mariska Hargitay fooglie. <laughs> Oh God! I would lo- I would love to do that. Hire an artist and give them Spy Kids and a picture of Mariska Hargitay circa 2020. Yep. Like, dra- like, like draw her as a fugly, then send it to her. Like, <laughs> just spam her social media with it, <laughs> with no context at all. There would be no quicker way to get the word fugly categorized <laughs> as like a hate term than by doing exactly what you just described. <laughs> How fast would we get blocked if we did that? Oh, like, so fast. so fast, and Twitter would destroy us. Like we would legitimately be canceled. Be like, they called them. They called her a fugly, and it's like, but that's from Spy Kids, the kids movie, and it's like it's a term filled with hate. <laughs> Can we have that as a portrait? Like, you remember in Seinfeld, there was the Kramer. <laughs> I want the Mariska Hargitay fugly drawing portrait. As artwork in the cinematic Absolutely, restaurant. absolutely. It's wonderful. And, and it's called the Hargate. The Hargate, perfect. <laughs> and, and it's the same quote from Seinfeld of, she's an ugly, abrusive brute, yep. but I can't look away. Yes, yes. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I dig it. Goddamn, Mariska Hargate. You're great on the show, but not when you're shutting our restaurant, trying to shut our <laughs> restaurant down. <laughs> Hasn't succeeded. She never will. Hmm. <laughs> Remember, Rob, the Cinematis restaurant. If 9-11 can't destroy us, neither will COVID. We are still yes, open for business. Absolutely. We never shut down. No, never. Because New York State has no – and the city has no jurisdiction in a uh, endless void. Yeah, and anybody they send in to shut us down can't find their way out. Absolutely. The, the COVID virus is afraid to go into the Cinematis restaurant. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, good, good. Well, I guess with all that being said, uh, next week we will continue on with uh, – 
something just just totally in line with a kids movie <laughs> for yes. the 2001 fort year. Um, yes. and I guess that be, comes- Rob, you're not you're not mentioning the fact that the Fuglies are in next week's movie in the form of Johnny Depp's wigs. <laughs> the fear me Fugly? Yes. <laughs> Oh God! So yes, uh, we will we will discuss another kids movie next week. I think that's the best way to put it. the The title of the episode and the movies you're watching are also very kid oriented, I believe. Uh, so I guess that leaves us with how do we end this episode? And I think it has to be Floop's song, his theme, "Cruel World" in reverse. Absolutely, not only because I like that song and we should play it as our ending theme in reverse, but also because I can actually reverse it and see if there's anything in there. Or if it's all just nonsense made in, like, sound editing afterwards, if the Fooglies mm. are actually talking in reverse or not. So it'll be fun. That's great, Rob. We, finally, we got so long into Cinemati's that we're doing things in reverse and they're coming back forward to us. <laughs> it only took us three years. <laughs> only. Fugly-looking motherfucker. Think you can come up on this podcast and be a Fugly? (laughs) (coughs) Goddamn Fugly. Fucking piece of shit. Fugly? You come up here being a Fugly? Goddamn fucking Fugly. You can just be a Fugly. You Fugly. Think you come up here and be a Fugly? Goddamn son of a bitch, Fugly. Okay, what did she she say? Oh my shiitachi mushrooms. Yeah, shiitake mushrooms, yeah. (laughs) At first I'm like, oh my god, did they actually say a bad word that I never caught in this movie back in like 2001? I was like, (laughs) oh my god. Like I was so excited and she's like, Tachi mushroom, like goddamn movie. God damn it. Have the character say a dirty word. <laughs> That's what I want, movie. Give me what I want. I don't know. There is that I want like a child saying a dirty word. There is that like eight minute segment of Tony Shalhoub just cursing and saying Fugly. Like, <laughs> you stupid fucking Fugly piece of shit, Fugly's motherfucker. <laughs> if only, Rob. That's my favorite if part only. of the movie. I started recording before you came back and I just said I, I, I heard, I, heard I could hear. Fucking Fugly. I could hear. <laughs>